This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Actually, I took a short road trip today out to Portland, Maine. Had not yet been to Maine. Portland's a nice, neat city. Yeah, I guess. It's it's a city, like other cities, I guess. And uh, what was interesting, I just want a quick highlight. I didn't know that fireworks were illegal in Maine. But when you cross the border into Maine, there's a big road sign informing you of such. Mm, Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah, it's nice. Really nice. Put your guns away and, uh, you know, and your fireworks. You better leave them at the, the border there and... God knows what else. Just makes me be glad to be here in New Hampshire where we actually have a smidgen more freedom than most places. And hopefully uh, that'll be on the increase soon. Anyway, let's go to your phone calls. You can bring up anything to the point of the show. Starting with the amp line, we go to Rod in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. I just uh, I wanted to say that uh, I, I read your letter today, Ian, that you uh, yes, published and uh, put on freekeen.com. Um, forgiving the, the bureaucrat who uh, started the ball rolling and ended up with you being you know sentenced. Right, this is the woman that uh, that um, snitched me out for the couch in the yard. Yeah, that that's right. And and know, I wrote that I, I forgave her. I forgave her rather. You did, you did. And I, I was, I just wanted to say that um, that that just showed a lot of character. I know you guys like to back banter back and forth about uh, you know sometimes those other guys are saying you're a little bit too rammy with the with your ideas, but that showed a lot of heart, and it showed that libertarians uh, can be strong in their convictions, but also. You know, above everything, value the, you know, the, the community aspect of things voluntarily. That we all are living together, and freedom yeah. is the best way to live. And it's a a lot of times just about the attitude people have. I I always watch myself because it's so easy for me to start arguing with Absolutely. people. You know, about Absolutely. things, and you know, and to 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 do that. So anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for doing that. It's it's great ammunition to say, hey, libertarians aren't about tearing down the structure. They're about building a freer, better. Uh, and, and society, and this is what it looks like, you know. Um, great which, point, which I because great. because I, I had you know, certainly there are always critics of anything that you do, and the more visible you are, the more critics you have. Uh, but with this particular case, uh, going and deciding to forgive this young lady instead of going and, and you know taking an, another step and and increasing conflict or or going and somehow harassing her or whatever, I have no interest in doing that. However, I do understand where you're coming from. It's like that's kind of the natural response is when someone initiates aggression, you want to sort of come back around and do something and and get them back, and and it's kind of easy to fall into that trap. And I think that people just need to take a step back. And say, you know, well, what is it that we really want here? We want peace and harmony with our neighbors. So be the change you wish to see in the world and be peaceful and be harmonious. And if they still come and uh, and attack you, then, you know, continue being the better person. Continue turning the other cheek and being harmonious. And hopefully more people will, will see that and they'll come to understand who the real dangerous uh, people are out there. You know, yeah. you know, yeah, Ian, exactly thanks, dude. Right. Good hearing from so you. Thanks, Claudia. Yep, thanks. There was somebody who posted a comment to that, by the way. I was reading it, who kind of speculated that, well, how do we know that Ian would have taken the couch uh, away if she had come to him directly? And I tell you, I've known you for long enough to, to, to really believe, seriously, and with all my, every fiber of my being, that you would have done that. You would have taken it off, you would have taken it out of your yard if she had come up and just said, hey, you know, why don't you get rid of that thing? You know, it's. Sure. Just, I think it could it could have been handled differently. 
I think so, too. And that's all I was looking really for throughout this entire thing. They wanted to apparently flex their muscle and show exactly how dangerous they were and that they didn't care about the questions that I might have or any of the things that I was attempting to do. And they, you know, they successfully showed that. Unfortunately, they didn't send the message that they thought they sent. I don't know what they were, what message they were trying to send, but the one they sent probably wasn't what they were intending because now more people have seen what's going on up here. And I think a lot more people are interested in moving specifically here to the Keene area as a result of that. So hopefully that'll increase the amount of uh, incoming liberty activists that we have coming to this area of New Hampshire. For those of you just tuning in, uh, the Free State Project is active here in New Hampshire, and more people, liberty activists, are always coming here, uh, coming to New Hampshire. They're moving here all the time. We talk more, uh, we'll talk more about it later, but uh, hopefully this will direct a few more over this way, and I believe it has, based on some of the comments I've seen. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm interested. I don't know, I'm, I'm not willing to say that this is what happened, but I'm kind of developing a conspiracy theory here. It, it really, it seems just too darn convenient that the, the gal that snitched on you, um, there, and I, Michaela, what, McKinsey? Michaela Engert. Um, she, city planner. Uh, the, the, she's the city planner, right? Yes. Um, like, it just seems too, all too suspicious. And I, it, it does seem like you were targeted to me. And I don't know if it was a citywide or, or just a few bureaucrats, or just Michaela, or, or whether she did it by accident. I don't know that. Yeah, but maybe it was that she just happened to pass by. Total coincidence. It could it could Possibly. very well be. But she is a new mover. I mean, that's a new. She lives in a very very new part of this neighborhood. Yep. So I looked at those houses. Those condos when, when are for sale right now. Yeah, I, I was I, I was looking at them when the, yeah. the first one was being built. You know, it seems to me that this has been building up for a while though, and I and I must address this because I think that we can handle our activism better at times. I'll give an example. There was a post on there about, oh, it must have been a month or two ago, about Judge Burke backing down, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I, when I saw that, I thought, you know, I don't know if I would have put it that way. I, I think I would have put it, maybe Judge Burke obeyed the Constitution or made it more positive because it's kind of like when, when you're going, let's say you're, you're on a football team and you're going to the Super Bowl. The coach always tells you, don't shoot off your mouth about the other team this last week because they're going to put it up on the bulletin board and they're going to get you. They're gonna, it's going to fire them up. Mm-hmm. And I just could, I, I don't know, I just kept seeing that thing on a bulletin board somewhere in the bowels of the Keene yeah. municipal court system, you know. And, and maybe, uh, maybe Judge Burke was actually getting some pressure from, from his, his uh, colleagues. Like, you're going to yeah, take that possible. from him. You know how, how guys get together and say, oh, you take that from him. Come on. And, and so I think that you got to be careful how you, um, yeah, that, that may these. have been a bit of a, a macho flash, uh, I yeah. suppose, but I d- couldn't think of any, way, any better way to put it. Yeah, was it you? Yeah, it was yeah. me. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying you've got to be careful about that, and I think you have to be more respectful and courteous in your activism. It's hard to be respectful to a man that throws people in prison cells for consensual crimes. It really well, well, right, is right, but hard. he was doing something good there. He, had, he, he was? He, he, rather than saying back down, I think I would have said... You know, did his job properly or something positive yeah. because you want to encourage, you're trying to encourage the behavior that you want. So you actually um, made him wrong almost for, for behaving the way you want. You follow me? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. So, and, and somebody had actually initially critiqued me on that, and yeah. I, I agreed with it at that time, but it, the damage was uh, was essentially yeah. done. So but, I'll work on that in the but, future. But you know what? The political activism, the, the so-called agitation, it can be good as long as you don't go too far with it, as long as you know where to draw the line. Because you want to raise you want to raise public awareness to these things, but you don't want to uh, make them say, "Oh, it's them again." You know, you you want to connect with people. You want you want to uh, 
um, make people realize what they're doing that, that's, that's harming society. Well, I'm going to meet with uh, the prosecutor either later this week, maybe early next week, to talk about this upcoming uh, Freedom Fest case where they're coming after myself and Toby from Free Minds TV for allegedly being the uh, the sponsors and somehow that making us responsible for the Freedom Fest. Number one, we weren't sponsors of Freedom Fest, and we were not responsible for Freedom Fest other than bringing ourselves to it. Uh, so we're going to be going back to the very same court, and so I'm going to talk to the prosecutor and ask him some questions about this. Like, you know, look, why don't you just make this go away? You know, what's it, what's it going to take to uh, to make this go away? Because all you're really doing here, man, is you're going to encourage people to come out this way. Uh, this is going to turn into a circus. And there could be a lot of people there that are uh, interested in doing civil disobedience right there in the courtroom now that the judge has decided to crack down on the people that stay seated. There may be more people coming as a result of that to participate in just that. So the one, one of the ways they can prevent that from happening is to just make this go away. Right. I don't know what the best way to, uh, to broach that particular subject with him is going to be. I'm not sure. I mean, he seems like an okay guy. I don't really know too much about him. But, I mean, he does, it, he does an evil job. He's, he's putting people behind bars. So it's, it can be really, really difficult to treat people like that as, as human beings. It can be, it's a challenge. I mean, sure. I do my best to, to do that, and that's why I'm trying to sit down with these people and show them that, hey, you know, I'm not a scary criminal or anything like that. So, You know, but these people, I think right now is probably the first time that anyone's ever brought this to their attention. Like judges, they think they're doing a good thing. They're trying yeah. to help society. They're trying to make sure that dangerous people are, are, are put away into jail if they are dangerous. But the problem is, is you get mission creep over time where they start doing things that uh, maybe they weren't intended to do originally. So a lot of these nonviolent crimes, these, these no, victimless crimes are getting prosecuted because they get lumped in with all the other really dangerous people. And, and that can happen over time. People just don't always see the mission creep of what they're doing. Well, hopefully we'll uh, make it clear that there's a clear delineation between those who would do violence and those who would harm others and those who are peaceful individuals just acting on a consensual, voluntary basis and that the uh, the state people, the government people get some fallout when they come after the harmless people, especially the activists. More on the way here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Those features include the updates. You get signed up. We will keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates. .freetalklive.com, sex with the Virgin Mary. She has waited long enough, and Jimmy Cahill, a boozing, carousing cabbie from Boston, has been tasked with finding the lucky guy. This libertarian novel is a great read, informative on the legal process, and sure to damn author Charles Webb to hell. Get it at amazon.freetalklive.com, or just go to sexwiththevirginmary.com. You can listen to an interview with Mr. Webb on the Free Talk Live podcast coming up this Saturday, the 22nd. Again, that's sexwiththevirginmary.com. Uh, 800-259-9231. We go to Tom in New Hampshire. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah, guess where I was last night? Hell. Um, uh, strip club. 
Jail. I was at, no, not quite, uh, Tap Room Tuesday. Excellent. Okay, this is one of the they, they events that attracts, uh, hold on a second, got to tell people what that is, Tom. Uh, Tap Room Tuesday is an event here in New Hampshire in the Manchester area that attracts a lot of liberty activists. Uh, a lot of free staters uh, will attend that. And of course, those are the, uh, the people I mentioned earlier. They're all moving here as a part of the, uh, the Free State Project to get active for liberty. So it's a, it's a big bar full of liberty activists all hanging out, socializing and planning and plotting and things like that. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, uh, it's a great place to meet up with uh, free staters and libertarian-type people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's easy enough to find out where Tap Room Tuesday is, even though I can't exactly call up a radio talk show and give a, a free ad for uh, a particular business or anything. But, uh, you know, people get into, the, like, the, the Free State Project and, and uh, check it out, and they'll find out where it is. And if, I... I I think people can figure out that it's on Tuesdays, okay? So <laughs> okay. That's, that's where they would go. And now one poor lady has to leave and go back home to Missouri because she misses her family. Oh, that's sad. But, sad when that happens. I do have some good news, though. Uh, you know how, like, those cops got away with what they did to you uh, on Friday? Uh, you, you mean know, the bailiffs, uh, uh, the people in the courtroom, uh, essentially railroading me into a jail cell? Uh, the cops actually were the ones that cuffed you. Yeah, oh, was definition. it the cops? I thought okay, it was the sheriff. I guess those are technically cops. So yeah. Yeah. So and well, uh, today, uh, in Indiana Township, Pennsylvania, an FBI goon that was trying to serve a drug warrant, <laughs> uh, the drug de- alleged drug dealer fought back like a man to defend himself. Uh, the voters didn't defend liberty very well with ballots this election, but uh, he decided to defend liberty with bullets. The Second Amendment was not written for sportsmen, and that was all for that agent. What and happened to the guy, Tom? Uh, I believe he, he's in the hospital, and then next thing I know, he uh, wound up... I've got some noise on this end here. But, oh, do you? Uh, he wound up uh, getting arrested. Yeah, and, what uh, shock. So, yeah, well... Uh, that's what happens when uh, humans uh, kill cops and then don't die in the shootout. So if he died in the shootout, he'd go straight to heaven because resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. Thank you, Tom, for the what call about tonight. the virgins? Appreciate hearing from you. No virgins? 800-259-9231. Uh, always have to throw a disclaimer in after that guy. Not interested in, in, in coming anywhere near endorsing what he has to say. Violence is not the solution. <laughs> Uh, it's just going to end up increasing the violence, and it goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment of the show, and, and that is you know, rising above their level. I mean, that's what they do. They're the violent ones. They're the ones that initiate the conflict. They're the ones that are the aggressors. We should be the peaceful ones in response to that. And, uh, I mean, if people did what uh, Tom was uh, was suggesting that they do, and I know he's not really outright suggesting it, but roundabout sort of endorsing what that is uh if people are doing that give him a holiday if he could yeah if people are doing that then it's just going to result in the more uh, the more dangerous kind of thuggish cops getting those jobs because they're they're going to want those kind of occurrences to happen so they have the excuse to smash some heads in and and kill some people uh so it's going to just result in an increase in the violence of the state as it always has as it always has violence begets violence begets violence so we need to go in the other direction that's right and we have to educate people that anarchy is really the cement that keeps society together uh the voluntary interactions that we all create on a daily basis create the real order in society not not the state we continue with your phone calls go to the amp line and an unscreened call who's this hey it's dsa george george what's on your mind tonight yeah man uh, i was 
I was expecting to have been up there tonight or tomorrow night to co-host with Mark had you stayed in jail, you know. Oh, really? To, That's nice of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I figured, you know, hey, if I, 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 I offer to clean the dishes, like if Julia let me sleep on the couch, I'd offer to do the dishes and take out the trash or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Awfully nice of you, George. What's on your mind tonight? Um, yeah, I just wanted to um, just post a question out there, you know, the kind of civil disobedience activism, the kind where you're willing to go to jail but to do what they if I was just wondering if that's really just you know should be done only by people who are single and unattached. I think that's you know, the ideal situation. It. I think that being single and unattached and not having children uh, and relatively wealthy or wealth, uh, wealthy enough to be able to sort of pay some bills up in advance and things like that, I think that would all be helpful at this stage in the game. I think we can expand that uh, as time goes on. We've talked briefly about the upcoming activist fund that's going to be coming out to help support people that do non-cooperation and civil disobedience. I think that it can expand out to people that are maybe a little less wealthy, and that way the activist this fund can help support, the, you know, so pay the bills and, and get things done while they're in jail, or maybe even couples, uh, you know, perhaps they, they, some of them would be willing uh, to, to to get involved in stuff like this if they well, knew things yeah, would be taken a, care of. As it stands right now, like basically you got, as it stands right now, basically you got to have nothing that they can take away from you and hold over you in order to, re, you know, really do that, you know, effectively to where they can throw you in jail and be like, I don't care, I don't got a car payment or any other expense. Well, you'll likely care anyway, but I'd like to make the point that Lauren Canario is married, um, and as is Russell Canning. But Jim Cat does Canning. not. I mean, Lauren's husband is not a huge fan of what she's doing. And not particularly, no. Right. Yeah, because with loved ones and homes and cars, you know, that's that's the weakness that, you know, government, the government exploits. On, oh, know, yeah, activists. and they know it. They know it. You're absolutely right, George. And I think that the activist fund can help sort of change that situation by giving people a little bit more cushion uh, in their daily lives and the bills that they have to pay and, and helping people feel better. And if you have a really high-paying job with benefits with the TSA, you won't want to do it either because you'll lose your job. It ain't that high-paying job. <laughs> I mean, I barely, I barely pull in 40. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. I, I mean, I guess the cost of living is a little higher up where you live, but uh, it, oh yeah, it is. The, it the is. average, I mean, uh, what's the average American make? Like twenty something, twenty one, twenty two. I don't know. I couldn't tell you 30. what average is. I don't know more about like that. Thirty grand, really, is like probably the national average. You, you seem to be but doing a lot of globe trotting, George. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, every time <laughs> well, I hear that, from that you, was, you're in. It took me Palm four Beach years. Or, it took me, guys, guys, it took me four years to rack up the miles to go to Australia, right there, and that was a free thing. It took, in which I was just, you know, like using my airline credit card to um, pay for gas and then paying the bill at, at the end of the month. But, yeah, it took me four years to rack up the miles to go. All there right. Like it's that. a tough life at forty grand a year. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's not too shabby. It, it's not terrible. Especially I'm, as a single I've made man that with before, no kids. and I remember what that you know. I remember what it was like. A uh, single so, man. I mean, it wasn't. I was doing pretty good. I had my own house, right. couple cars. Right. No kids. Yep. No. Uh, you know, he doesn't. Or George doesn't have kids. No so dogs. Uh, I don't know if he doesn't have dogs. I wouldn't sure do a dog. <laughs> Toll free number here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the other thing. I mean, even if you're a single activist and you've got a dog or a cat at home, that makes it very difficult to go out and do this sort of thing. So having somebody um, in the real world to sort of take care of those if you get in trouble could be pretty valuable and could increase the non Activist pool. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the. You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. 
They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free. Enjoy them on us. And the features include live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, and webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Again, that is listen.freetalklive.com. Check out Bureau Crash's podcast, where your host, Zach Fix, provides an interesting, principled look at the issues. Listen in as we discuss activism, we being bureaucrash and Zach, market, uh, market alternatives to government services and cultural issues with liberty-minded thinkers, musicians, entrepreneurs, and activists. Part entertaining, part informative, always pro-freedom at bureaucrash.com. 800-259-9231. Uh, so, you know what? We've been talking about the couch situation, and, of course, it's all about uh, the tenants of mine that had a couch in their yard. The government came, threatened me, ended up throwing me in a jail cell because I tried to ask some questions and uh, refused to answer some of their questions. Tried the non-cooperative route, and it ended up throwing me in, uh, you know, putting me in a jail cell. I think, overall, it was a win. Uh, certainly, people will continue to debate that. Everybody's got their own opinion about what, uh, how it all came out and what it all meant. I think that, overall, though, it's going to result in more people coming here to New Hampshire, specifically keen, getting active, and getting active sooner rather than later, and I think that that is uh, beneficial. I also think, or I hope at least, that the government bureaucrats here got themselves a little taste of what's to come, uh, because when they took and uh, took me and put me in a cell because of uh, trying to ask questions and not answer them, <laughs> when they threw me in a cell because of that, people got active. They started calling the jail. They called the, uh, the, court, the clerk of court, uh, apparently quite a bit. Called Talkback Saturday morning, too. Right, they, uh, they, bar- they took over the, the show. Right, they barraged... No, I wouldn't say that. What? Uh, Did you hear it? I mean, it I'm was... still going through the third hour. I think there there's a lot of calls in the third hour. The first and second hours, I would not call a takeover. Well, the the, uh, the first hour, they asked not to be taken. Um, they asked, and I okay. and I, then I sent yeah. down the order to the minions, if, if, I if I have the ability to give <laughs> such a thing. I said, please, Careful, don't call Mark, until... they might target you next right, if I'm they think <laughs> you're the, uh, the ringleader here. <laughs> Uh, but sh- but yes, the activists came out. They self-organized. I am the Shin fame to your IRA, my friend. They uh, they self-organized. They got active, and hopefully, the 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 sort of the backlash that came out of them arresting me helped them understand that maybe they should be a little more cautious about what they are doing and not necessarily be so blatantly tyrannical. Uh, it, at least that's what I I hope the message is that they've gotten. And one of the things I, uh, I, had, I had suggested to uh, Mr. Burke, the judge, in my letter to him, that was apparently one of the other things that uh, really pissed him off. But one of the things I had suggested was that if he stopped hearing cases that didn't involve a victim, that he'd be a hero. And that people would, you know, he'd, he'd never see another activist sitting in his courtroom ever because then he'd only be dealing with real criminals, people that were harming others, destroying property. And I said that he might be the first judge in, a, or maybe I made the declaration that he would be the first judge in American history to, to do something like that. Well, one of the things I love about my, our listeners here is they love to point out, uh, you know, when we when we screw up. And I really appreciate knowing when I'm wrong. And boy, was I wrong about this. Uh, the judge here would not be the first judge. There was one. And he wrote a blog about his experience. How long do you think he lasted on the bench? I can hardly imagine. The story is from attorneyforfreedom.com, Mark J. Victor, Phoenix criminal attorney. 
This is him, uh, his writing here. He says, I, lear- I recall learning something about the painfully short half-life of certain chemical compounds in high school chemistry. Some of those little uh, nasty little compounds expire in hours, minutes, or even a few short seconds. Several years after high school, I can now truly empathize with those ill-fated compounds. I've discovered that the half-life of a principled libertarian superior court judge on the criminal bench is about one half hour. After many hour. Yep, after many years as a practicing criminal defense attorney, I decided to apply to become a judge on the Court of Appeals. Despite good credentials and numerous letters of recommendation from several respected judges and other accomplished people, I was not deemed worthy of an interview by the Appellate Court Selection Committee. It may have had something to do with the fact that I cited a need for intellectual diversity as a reason for wanting to become an appellate court judge and used the term pro-freedom in my application. Perhaps I was doomed from the start. My application to become a superior court judge pro tem was or pro temp was uh, lodged lodged with visions of presiding over selected criminal jury trials. As a judge pro tem, I expected to have the luxury of picking and choosing my limited trial assignments. I was determined that neither to con- determined neither to conceal nor to violate my principles. My application included a disclosure that I'm on the legal committee for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, normal as well as the fact that I co-founded the Freedom Summit. In addition, my application included my associations with the Foundation for Economic Education and the Future of Freedom Foundation, as well as Cato. You can see this is definitely a guy that gets the liberty idea. I was pleasantly surprised when my application was approved, and I was appointed for a one-year term as a Superior Court Judge pro tem. I'm surprised, too. I'm interested to where this story's going. I was excited and eager to work hard to do justice. After two months of waiting for a criminal trial assignment on a non-victimless case, I inquired about obtaining such an assignment. I learned that the Superior Court's urgent need was for pro tem judges to cover the assortment of cases composing the pretrial calendar. I had refused countless opportunities to cover court calendars I believed would contain predominantly drug cases. One d- uh, on a day when the judge was desperate for help, or when the court rather was desperate for help, the court administration was agreeable to reassign a full-time judge in an ar- and arrange a criminal court calendar I believed would not contain many drug cases. I agreed, but expected some nonviolent drug cases would be on my calendar. Determined to be honest and honorable, I decided to recuse myself on all drug-related cases. To avoid being accused of having secret or illegitimate motives, I drafted a detailed six-page minute entry explaining the legal reasons underlying my anticipated recusal. I believe the parties had a right to know why I refused to hear their case. After all, the government, including judges, are supposed to be agents of the people, not masters. I can tell you that the judge in my case was not really acting as an agent of me, that's for sure. Anyway, acting when, quite a bit like a master if he threw you in jail. Yeah, when, the, uh, when he says, when my first and last day as a judge arrived, I learned there were seven drug cases on my calendar of 37 matters. I arranged for another judge to handle the seven cases and offered to take several non-drug cases in exchange. I don't quite understand why he would refuse to take the ca- recuse himself from taking the cases. I mean, I, I understand. Probably because he has, uh, probably because he's sworn some sort of oath to obey the law. And the law says that they have to do certain things in drug cases. And mm. so if he doesn't hear the case, then he doesn't have to obey the law. That would be my suggestion. I'm no legal expert here. And if you are, please call in. Whatever the law means. This is true, and that is certainly open to a judicial interpretation in many cases. Whatever, for whatever reason, he did not feel comfortable hearing those cases. Understood. It, it may have put him in a, in a position that he did not relish. So he planned to recuse himself from the seven drug cases and reassign them to the other judge to be heard that same day. Well, shortly, be, uh, shortly after I began my court calendar, a friendly law enforcement officer arrived with several routine arrest warrants to be signed. All but one of the proposed arrest warrants were for drug, drug cases. cases. 
The other one was from uh, was for a questionable uh, questionable gun case. I informed the law enforcement officer of my principled refusal to consider his warrants and sent him away. To my surprise, the officer informed me of his support before he left to seek out a more agreeable judge. Wow. Without my knowledge, the clerk emailed my recusal min- uh, minute entry to a superior who forwarded it to the presiding criminal judge of the superior court. I soon found myself on the telephone with an angry judge who voiced his disagreement with my legal reasoning by referring to my minute entry as BS. And he used the, fir- the full word, by the way. He ordered me not to issue my minute entry on any cases until after he consulted with the presiding judge of the superior court. He promised a quick call back. Back in the chambers, I informally explained to the prosecutor and defense attorney why I hesitated to call their drug case. While the defense attorney sat shocked, the prosecutor informed me of his unqualified support. I eventually decided to retake the bench and recuse myself. I stated on the record that I intended to disclose my reasons for recusal in a detailed minute entry. The cranky presiding criminal law judge soon called back and informed me he was not happy with my performance. I was fired and told to leave immediately. Before I left, the clerk who initially emailed her supervisor with my minute entry privately told me of her unqualified support for my position. So why did she email the, the, the snitch letter there? Two other defense e- uh, attorneys, I have no idea, also came back into chambers, uh, chambers to voice their support. I walked out of court that day a bit disappointed, but with my principles firmly intact. While my judicial career was going up in flames, my good friend and guerrilla libertarian activist Ernie Hancock from ErnestHancock.com was driving over to the courthouse to see me wearing the black robe. I called Ernie and told him my judicial career was already over. Although neither of us predicted my lifespan as a judge would be long, his response was, Already? And what seemed like seconds later, the press was calling me for comment. There's a little bit more to this story. We'll share it with you here. The uh, man who was a libertarian who decided who was approved as a superior court judge and then fired within a half an hour of taking the bench. 1-800-259-9231. Is it possible to change the system from the inside? I don't know. We'll find out over time, I guess. It's not looking good, though. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. You like the show and you like, uh, you'd like to support Free Talk Live? Well, uh, we could use your vote. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com, cast a vote for this month's voting contest. It goes on all month long. We are normally the number one show. I believe we still are the number one show, which is good. How are we doing in the, the ratings? We're up by over 50. Over 50. Okay, so this will be the last time we ask for votes this month, unless all of a sudden the gap closes. So please head over to vote.freetalklive.com if you have not yet done so, and cast your vote for Free Talk Live. It takes you less than a minute. All you need is your email address. It won't be sold or spammed, only used for verification purposes. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com and leave a comment if you feel like it. More on the way uh, here with your calls, but I uh, just want to finish up this blog post from attorneyforfreedom.com telling the story of Mark J. Victor, or he's telling his own story, about his first and last day as a Superior Court Judge Pro Tem. Now, some have suggested that uh, in our chat room that if he wasn't a pro tem, if he was like an elected judge instead of just a pro tem judge, it would have been a lot harder for them to get him off the bench. So they're suggesting that one of the reasons why he didn't last very long was because, well, the the position itself was sort of a temporary thing anyway, so it was much more of a tenuous uh, place to be being a liberty-minded person. But nonetheless, he didn't last more than a half an hour on the bench uh, until he was fired, and we continue his story here. He says that the next morning, I was news. The television, radio, and print media all did stories about the judge who was fired because he refused to hear drug cases. I received about 100 emails, 
Not one of them was negative. Many of the emails I received praised me for having integrity. I also learned that within hours of my firing, the presiding justice of the Arizona Supreme Court issued an order rescinding my appointment as a judge pro tem. The Supreme Court's order stated in relevant part, quote, Having expressly declared his inability to be impartial in the application of the law and the disposition of cases before him, unquote. I found this language curious, as I had not declared any inability to be impartial. Moreover, the Supreme Court's order appeared as if I had issues with all laws, as there was no mention of drug cases specifically, nor any connection with my reasons for recusal. About a week later, an editorial writer from a major local newspaper showed up to interview me. He was shocked to learn that there was a much bigger principle involved than just the right to smoke pot. After my initial publicity waned, another local Superior Court judge pro tem drove drunk and killed a 17-year-old high school student who was riding a bicycle. The professional, unbiased, fair, and balanced newspaper editorial staff writers at the Arizona Republic then published an editorial recklessly lumping me in with the other judge under the title, Two Bad Apples. That's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't my proudest moment, but I concluded some, some people would draw the fine distinction. Being unsatisfied merely that my unusually distinguished judicial career was over, the presiding judge of the Superior Court referred my conduct to the Commission on Judicial Conduct. Among other things, I was accused of acting in a manner which fails to promote public confidence in the integrity and impartiality of the judiciary. I was asked to formally respond to the judicial complaint against me. After reviewing the incident and my response, the Commission dismissed the presiding judge's complaint against me. So the harassment continued, and luckily it stopped at that particular level, but man, these guys had it out for him. Mm. Well, just imagine if he goes into a courtroom now with one of these judges who maybe doesn't doesn't like him. He might not um, be representing his clients as well as he could be. Just an awful situation, and I'm sorry that uh, you know I'm sorry that had to happen. I wonder how that would have been different in a place like New Hampshire. I mean, as we've talked about, all these liberty activists moving here, getting active for freedom, uh, working in that direction, helping support the the other activists in doing what they're doing. And if one of those activists happened to be a judge, whether he was moving here or not, maybe a New Hampshire native who happened to love liberty and was a judge and felt empowered by the fact that there were all these activists around, I just wonder how that could be different. I mean, if if you had a bunch of activists hanging around looking for something to do and then all of a sudden the state goes after one of the good guy judges, what could activists do in that particular case to help him out? Write letters, obviously. They could write letters to whatever commission is uh, necessary to write letters to and uh, protest. protest. Of course. I don't know, but uh, one thing I can tell you is that, uh, you know, with the activists that are here, that all these ideas get floated around. They get bounced off of each other on message boards and in person and uh, places like Taproom, uh, you know, in uh, venues like Taproom Tuesday and mm-hmm. uh, Social Sundays. And the fact is, they'll come up with something very good. I don't know what. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, I'd like to encourage anybody else who's a judge to go in that same direction. And uh, it may be, it'd be interesting to see also how it would affect Careful, a, that's a threat. an elected judge. What? I said, careful, that's a threat. What's you you being facetious? Yes, the uh, oh, okay. this, uh, Mr. Burke uh, said some silly stuff like you were threatening him by in, 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 uh, encouraging him to do just that. Well, he also suggested that uh, not only was that a threat, uh, but the the letter that I sent was that threatening. But he also suggested that apparently I undermined the very authority of the court all by myself. Yeah, you undermined the uh, uh, the court. It says here that the behavior occurred in the presence of the court and openly threatened its orderly procedures. Defiance of a court, or he, essentially, he refers to himself as the court here yeah, in this letter. He is the uh, court. He's both the undersigned and the court in the letter as he writes this. And people can, you know, people uh, when I write these sort of legal-sounding notices to the government, they critique me. This just sounds as asinine, calling yourself the court. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. 
uh, and the, the way it's written. So the behavior occurred in the presence of the court and openly threatened its orderly procedures. Defiance of a court order, irrespective of one, whether one agrees with it, immediately imperils the administration of justice. The whole suggestion that justice was being administered that like day, the whole, like the whole thing could be, uh, uh, you know, br- brought down around our heads because of you. Yes, like uh, anarchy in the streets. And uh, I'm sorry, there was no justice being administered that day. There was no victim. There's no crime. If there's no crime and there's no victim, you don't have justice. You've got a show, and you've got a you've got a scam, but there's no justice. Anyway, he goes on. When some persons consider themselves immune to the application of court orders and defy those orders in the presence of others who abide by them, the very authority of the court is undermined. So it doesn't Ominous. sound like yeah, it doesn't sound like it would take too much defiance to completely undermine their uh, so-called authority. So he says, I don't think anybody would disagree with with a judge or a court putting people away who are truly dangerous to society. Who but, would disagree with that? But you that? know, I've sat in courts before. I've been railroaded on motor vehicle charges before where even sometimes the cop lied, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I sit there and, and I can't help but thinking this is just like a shakedown assembly line here. That's all it is. That's what they do. They bring people in who are less than knowledgeable about their rights and they bring people in who are usually less than middle class and they extract money from them that's what this essentially the system is sit in on an arraignment and watch as it happens it's like every person that comes up they ring the cash register cha-ching cha-ching that's all it is oh dui okay bing you know here you go spend this time in jail and you owe a thousand dollars and i'm just pulling numbers out of thin air which is what they do uh, oh, you, you got caught with marijuana. That'll be $400. Oh, you've got an open container. $200. Thanks very much. Okay, you can pay at the window. Oh, did, did you need to get on a payment plan? We'll be happy to put you on a payment plan. That's no problem at all. Just talk to the clerk outside there. They'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing business with the Keene District Court. And that's what it's all about. It can be. Not always, but it can be. Okay, yes, you're right, Wayne. There are some exceptions. Occasionally, they'll bring in somebody for domestic violence or, or something else that's actually involving a victim. But not very often. You know, you sit in that, those arraignments, and it's alcohol, and it's drugs, and it's traffic, and that's about it. I, I sat down one time in a courtroom, and this lady sat down next to me, and the first thing she said to me was, wow, all these derelicts are really well behaved here. <laughs> well, I don't, what, was you, she talking about the judge and the prosecutor? <laughs> 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 she was talking about all the people in the courtroom about to go up for their cases. So the toll-free number here for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, so so with the, the judge situation here, it's just it's so frustrating. I mean, you wish there was more that you could do. And apparently Sam from the Obscured Truth Network has been digging into some alternative options. So instead of kind of taking the non-consenting approach, as I have uh, att- attempted to do to much failure on Friday, obviously the first, obviously the New Hampshire Constitution not in effect because the New Hampshire Constitution says that government's by the consent of the governed and, hey, I didn't consent, tried to let them know that. They knew that because I, I sent them a notice in advance of the trial making it very clear that I don't consent. I tried to mention it in the court. They uh, threw me to jail cell. So clearly the non-consenting option, at least at this point of the game, isn't working out. So what is it that we can do? Well, is the other option to just go and beg the legislature to change things? Pretty that's much. certainly an option. That's, but what they're, that's what they suggest. That's what they suggest. But it uh, looks like Sam has been doing some research. Apparently, he just got done recently uh, interviewing a man who's been having some success with this whole grand jury process of actually essentially bringing criminal charges against these people for doing what are essentially criminal acts. I mean, if you have no victim and they put you in a cage, they have committed kidnapping. 
It doesn't matter what they call it. Apparently, there is some way to actually use their system and the remedy that it provides because the law apparently always has to have remedy and everybody's supposed to be equal in front of the law, supposedly. We all know that that's not true either. But they supposedly have a rem- you know, remedy, which means some sort of process you can go through to make things right. And so he's been learning about that. I myself haven't really had time to dig into too much, but I know that he's working on a video that's going to, I think, be released here at some point. And, of course, he's working on selling his home down in Texas so he can come up here to New Hampshire and get active with that stuff up here. So there are a lot of things still in the works. Going to try different approaches here and see what works. And we would love to have you come up here and help us out. 800-259-9231 is the number here coming up, Mark. We're going to go across, way across the, uh, the, the other pond to Australia land, actually New Zealand. Specifically, we'll talk about some of the activism going on over there. You can take control, bring up anything, hour two coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything as we launch here in hour number two of the program. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Roll right into your phone calls here. And we go to David in Tennessee. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys. Hey, Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Well, listening to you online tonight, uh, guys uh, enjoying it. Uh, very entertaining. Go ahead, sir. What's uh, on I was going to talk about the uh, judge over in Arizona. Yes, this is a uh, – for those just tuning in, we read a blog post by this guy, uh, this judge this, – well, it was Judge Pro Tem, I guess, uh, which was sort of a temporary position. But he decided to essentially apply his libertarian principles to his judgeship and refu- refused to hear certain drug, ca- uh, drug cases. As a result, he was kicked off the bench. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, it, it seems like uh, the, the presumption is is that uh, he was kicked off because of uh, his refusal to hear the drug cases. And I'm wondering, you know, why would they even uh, let him sit and be a judge uh, if they were knowing that they were going to have drug cases? And if he had plainly stated that he didn't want to sit for drug cases, I wonder why in the world would they even let him you know, uh, be a temporary judge. I, I've got a guess on that, and that my guess would be that uh, governments are, are um, inefficient and bureaucratic, and likely nobody paid attention and knew. I, 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 I don't think he said. I don't think he specifically said in advance that he was not going to hear drug cases before he was appointed. What he did say in his application was that he was a member of Normal, that he was one of the legal, uh, I guess, legal scholars for Normal, uh, the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, and he also did mention that he was pro freedom and mentioned some of the pro freedom organizations. Organizations that he supported. So his political delineations were pretty clear, but I don't think he specifically said, and I won't hear drug cases. He said that after he was appointed to the position, as I understood the article. Okay. Well, you know, that, um, and it makes me, again, I think you're right, is that it's probably government inefficiency is the reason why he was sat in front of what I understood was a, a schedule full of drug cases, and that, you know, he attempted to try to swap off with another judge but what i understood from the from an article and this is from oh the arizona tribune mm-hmm. is that uh judge the judge and i'm looking for his name o'toole he indicated that the reason why he dismissed him was not for the case of 
of uh, recusing himself from drug cases, but the minute entry, I think the minute entry is the key thing here. I was a six-page minute entry, and Mm-hmm. And I'm not real familiar with minute entries of what little I do know is that typically they're they're short, concise, and say, here's the follow-up from the case, here's what we need to do, and it's usually sent to a prosecuting attorney. In this case, it was a six-page, basically, political statement, and I think that's what ticked off really? uh, O'Toole. That's strange, because they get big, long paperwork uh, entries all the time. I mean, maybe you're saying normally they're short, this one was long, but usually judges are ha- more than happy to write up 48-page long orders and explanations for their uh, decisions and things like that. They just love writing crap up. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe you're right. It's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, hmm. Do you have some they... legal experience to where that's sort of why you feel it was that way? Well, you know, actually just doing, just just having some legal experience, doing some research, and looking at and knowing about some other minute entries, they're, they're typical, um, and I agree, judges like to hear themselves talk, uh, whether verbally or in writing, but uh, a lot of the minute entries that, that I'm familiar with are, are almost more like a something a physician would write, you know, in the sense that it's pretty concise, saying, here's what we need to do with this case. Uh, as many cases as they see, they don't want to tie up hours upon hours upon hours, um, uh, unless they're going to get something out of it. There you go. But in this case, I think it was, uh, and I don't know if you've read uh, uh, Mr. Victor's uh, minute entry or not, but uh, it is... The six-page uh, thing? No, definitely not. Yeah, well, take a look at it. It's just real political. I think that's what what got the judge kind of ticked off at him. Gotcha. So. Okay, appreciate the insight, and I thank you for the call, David. Let's talk Thanks. to Nathan, listening in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nathan. Nathan, you are on the air. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Go ahead. Oh, hi, are you? Huh? Hello? Yeah, you're here. Go ahead. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, I was calling because uh, my roommate, who's also my cousin, um, she's a uh, bureaucrat uh, locally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what does she do? Protective services. Oh, boy. Oh, my. Yeah. So uh, anytime that I have to, I say, like, you know, talk about the government or anything she of course brings up the children which is yeah, uh, pretty annoying and gets pretty tired after a while mm-hmm. and it's hard to convince somebody you know who like is uh has to deal with these terrible children i mean terrible situations with children every day and then like uh and try to convince them that there's a better way um so if you'd want to address that in any way that'd be great Addressing somebody who's in the government who is, I mean, working with children, but specifically, of course, the common objection, even if they're not working in the government, but just the common objection of what about the children? And do you mean in sort of violent situations with like a a mom and dad that's actually abusing them? Do you mean something like that, a a legitimate objection like that? Yeah, like she she brings that up a lot. Like uh, if if we don't go in there and take them away, there will be – who would, you know, that sort of thing. Mark, do you want to feel um, this one as the kind of the small government yeah. guy? I mean, how do you feel about this one? What that, um, you know, what what would we do if without her um, and her department? Yeah. I guess my uh, statement to that would be, um, if we didn't have an, you know, uh, HRS service or something like that, that it would go back to police, and police would probably remove uh, children in a circumstance where they were being injured or something like that and wanted to leave. I, yeah, but Mark, should the police have the ability to to barge into someone's home if the neighbors call on them? Like, if the neighbors call and say you're beating your kid, should the cops be able to come in and uh, take a look around? Suggesting that that that's the case. 
that neighbors are going to say they believe that you're beating your child. You hear they've heard screams coming from your house. Um, I to me, what you're dealing with there is that the neighbors should have to bring charges or something. Hmm. Um, the, the, the police should have to should be able to speak to the child. Uh, could you p- please bring the child to the door? Well, I don't have an, an obligation to open the door for the police. Then what? Well, yeah, then yeah. what? Should well, the police be able to just come in and you know kick the door in and start looking around? It seems to me that the neighbor, the neighbor needs to uh, you know be prepared to bring charges. What Otherwise, we need, we need more evidence. I mean, oh. what if I just uh, the, I, I hear that devil music that we have at the intros um, and extras, and <laughs> that's the stuff you like. To me, it sounds like somebody's beating their child in some of those uh, those yeah. albums. So well, I, I don't think that that's evidence enough. Well, what if a neighbor had an actual recording or, or video of of it going on? Maybe they could hear it. They couldn't see it, but they could put point the camera out the window and they could hear that. And they could show it to somebody because it seems to me that if a neighbor is going to complain and accuse their neighbor of that, if they're wrong, then they should have repercussions against they them too. They should be liable. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. And of course, from a no government perspective or from a self-government perspective in a voluntary society, uh, you could have a situation wherein obviously there'd ne- not necessarily be any sort of monopolistic police agency to turn to, but there could be some sort of private organization that has made it their goal to rescue children that are in danger. There's and private sim- organizations that make their goals all kinds of things in this world. And similarly, uh, as you suggested, Wayne, whether it be a government police or whether it be this private organization, if you were that organization or a member of that organization that went and rescued endangered children and you believed that you had a case, but it turns out that you were wrong and you went and you took a child from somebody that was not beating or starving it or doing something uh, awful to it, and it turns out that you were wrong about that, well, your reputation would be just kaput. It'd be gone. I mean, who would want to do business with you knowing that you were so shoddy at doing the research that you needed to do and the detective work in order to be as absolutely certain that you were going after the right people? So in that particular case, it, the various different market factors would help protect innocent families and at the same time ensure that those who are really doing the damage, you can prove the cases against them. Instead of having some slipshod case done by a cop that was cutting corners and having to have that case get thrown out in the court because of that. So you might actually have tighter cases against the bad guys in a more voluntary uh, consent-based society. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the other thing is that kids yell and scream anyway. You know, they trip and they fall and sure. they scream and then it sounds like the, the parent could have been beating them but they weren't, you know. There's all, if you just listen to a household with kids, you, you could they're accuse... noisy places. Yeah, they're noisy places. And you could accuse parents of doing that all the time, and, and it wouldn't be true. Or better than that, what you could have, if you really are somebody that wants to have a set of rules that everyone follows, you could move to a place like Ave Maria down in Florida, which we might be able to have a chance to talk about tonight. Apparently, its grand opening has happened. It's a private Catholic town. Private town. We'll talk more about it here in a little bit. I thank you for the call, 800-259-9231, where maybe there could be a rule that if you wanted to, you could agree to, to have the Christian cops come in at any old time they wanted to, to check you out, make sure you're doing things all Christian-like. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800 800- 259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their site. Uh, we give you archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website. Click and download. They're yours. Uh, totally free. Over at freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. 
According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. You can sign up for a free account today at privacyharbor.com. 800-259-9231. Let's continue here with your phone calls and talk to, uh, let's go to Gene, the Christian anarchist on the amp line. Hello, Gene. Welcome back, Ian. Thank you, Gene. Good to have you here. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, I wanted to welcome you back and uh, tell you that uh, I guess now you understand maybe why I uh, decided to start paying the income taxes. I got a woman and a son, and uh, so things have changed in my life, and I had to make sure that I didn't wind up disappearing for a very long period of time. Or worse yet, my wife could have. So did, did you feel the that- reason... Did you feel that Ian had indicted you at some point? I don't think I, I did. don't recall that ever happening. Mm, not necessarily indicted me, but uh, you know he was uh, mentioning how it's good, it's better to not pay taxes, and I, I certainly would agree that if you are um, one who can make the stand, make it because I think it's great. I mean, I I'd agree too, 20, but uh, you I know, did it for twenty-five not doing years. It I did my share. I was on the Absolutely. non-paying, non-filing list for 25 years. So. Right. I mean, that's how I feel. Like, you know, you went out and you did that, and a lot of people just talk about it. You know, they just talk about I, it, and then they critique you for doing something, and they just sit behind their keyboards and snipe at you. We, I think Julia is going to be on the show tomorrow night. We'll address some of the uh, the critics out there at that and, time. And I twice stared down the IRS over a table on a, what's called a collection due process hearing, and I threw the Constitution at them and... Uh, uh, you know, they basically didn't want to hear it. So it's just like in your courtroom. They're just going to steamroll over you. They don't care about any rules, regulations, nothing. They just say, well, this is the way we're doing it. Yep. Uh, pay up. So. And anyway, I think I one, of the things that's, one of the things that's going to change that is the backlash. I mean, they started to get a taste of what it was like when they put somebody in a jail cell that actually has people who care and who are going to do something about it. And the doing only had just begun. I mean, really, that Monday, they put me in uh, the jail cell on a Friday afternoon. It was probably about 2 o'clock when they did that. And so there really wasn't that much time between then and close of business on that particular day at the court for them to get any phone calls from anybody. The rest of the time I was in jail was over the weekend. So really the only time they had to get any sort of input from the public was on Monday. And so I don't know how many calls they got on that one day, but I imagine it was more calls than they'd ever gotten for uh, most of the other people they've harassed. Because, well, I think a lot of it was just he wanted to scare the crap out of you, too. You know, oh, absolutely. To... That's what I was thinking in, uh, while I was in jail over the weekend. I figured that, oh, you know, he wants to give me a taste of, uh, of what it's like. And, you know, the jail itself was, was something that I could handle. I mean, that was no problem. But uh, Julia and how she was feeling, that was something that, uh, that I certainly couldn't allow to continue. So anyway, I called to tell you about a miracle. Please, miracle. go ahead. A miracle, yep, and... Uh... All those people that don't want to hear from the Christian anarchists, you're going to have to talk to God about it. Because I was, a couple days ago, I was working on a microwave oven. And, uh, you know, like 30 years ago, I had an appliance repair business. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I had the uh, microwave oven apart, and I tested the fuse. I had the thing plugged into the wall, and I tested the fuse. And I said, oh, there it is. The fuse is just blown. So then I forgot to unplug it from the wall. Mm. I had one hand grounded to the side of the case. With the other hand, I reached in to pull that fuse out, and I was on that fuse for a good second or so before I caught myself Mm. and realized what I'd done. I said, oh, my God, what's going on? I pulled my hand back. I didn't even get a tingle. Now, that electric current should have gone up my right arm, 
right through my heart and down my left arm to ground. Nothing happened. I don't understand it. It just, it's got me boggled. It's got to be a miracle because anybody puts your right hand on positive, I mean on uh, line current, and your left hand on ground, you're going to drop. Did you try to put a tester on it after to see if there was actually current? I just put a tester on it beforehand. I had just tested that fuse. The one side was hot, the other side was dead. Hmm, that's and, amazing. Uh, I'm telling you that I realized what happened. I'm glad you're still I was here, Gene. close. God loves you, Gene. <laughs> I know it. Thanks he, for the call got tonight. Plan for me, and I think it's to nag Ian forever until he becomes a Christian. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Gene. Appreciate it. I prefer the pantheist view. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We continue here uh, with Sam from the Obscure Truth Network in Texas. Hey, Sam. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I had a encounter with the tr- local tree enforcer today and mm. had a really great time. I thought I'd tell you about it. Oh, <laughs> All right, good. please do. So I'm sitting in my study and looking out the window, and the the uh, city's um, code enforcement little green vehicle pulls up and stops and gets out and goes over to my neighbor Dimitri's house. And so I decide, eh, I'll get my camera out and just go film him and see what he's up to. <laughs> so I do that. Might and as I well. Walk across the street, and uh, I'm there on the sidewalk filming him. And I think I probably asked him something like, "Who who are you threatening?" or you know, what are you doing here? That sort of thing. Yeah. And he immediately pulls his phone out, calls police. <laughs> <laughs> so I filmed him for a little bit. Then I realized I needed to grab an extra voice recorder, so I went back and did that. He used that to make it to his car, and then I filmed him in his car for a little bit, which <laughs> happened to be parked further than 18 inches away from the curb. And he was kind of out in the middle of the street, mm. and he put his emergency flashers on, but... I don't think there was any emergency if he was just there doing his job writing a, a yeah. citation. I don't so, think. Yeah, I don't think code enforcers have emergency situations. Yeah, is I there a code yeah, emergency? They wouldn't. <laughs> so or maybe the, if the vehicle broke down or something, then that would explain the uh, the emergency flash. Possible, possibly, yeah. So Dimitri comes, actually drives by, and I'm like, "Hey, man, can I film on your uh, property?" He's sure, go ahead. And uh, he's the one who told me the guy was calling the police and so forth. So we talked for a little bit. And then I go walk to my house. And as I get to the door, the police are pulling up. And I'm walking inside. And he hits the siren. It goes, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even look back. I just shut the door, turned around, and locked it. Nice. <laughs> now, by, by the way, the reason you did that was because, uh, as we mentioned earlier on this program, there is no obligation on your part to answer the door for the cops. Yes, they do it in the movies. Yes, they do it on television. Yes, you've been told that you're supposed to do things like that, but you don't have to. And that's what Barry, uh, Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted has advised people. If you're at home and the cops come up and you didn't call them to come there, which why you'd call them, I don't know, because normally you're the suspect when you call oh, them. I'll tell you why you called them in, uh, in a little bit. Okay, okay. But normally <laughs> you don't have to answer the door. You didn't have to talk to them, but you did talk to this guy, and you were recording the entire thing, apparently. Yes, I... Um... I had my camera going, and I just, he rang the doorbell, and I yelled through the door, what do you want? And he said, Plano Police. And I said, have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. He didn't say anything. He he walked away after a minute. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He went back across the street to the code enforcer, or the tree enforcer, sorry. 
Yeah, you, the, the trees here, you got to keep them in line, otherwise they will just grow out of control. Yeah, you can't have that anarchy tree out there. Hang on a second. Uh, we're going to bring you back for more of this, or more than a second. But anyway, 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. He actually sent some audio in of this. I'm going to check it here and see if we can use it on the air. Otherwise, we'll, we'll definitely get the rest of the story from him here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. Oh, oh, hey my guys. mistake. And who are you? And Mark. And Wayne and Mark, yeah. All right. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are free, so enjoy those. And they include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. And ladies, if you are listeners and you'd like to show that off, uh, submit your picture for the Shrine. Get all the details at shrine.freetalklive.com. Also, join us at the Free State Project Liberty Forum. It's happening early March of next year. It's going to be the third one, and we have been to all of them so far. We'll be at this one. We're going to be broadcasting live, uh, but it's not just us. It's going to be there. Hundreds of people that love liberty are all going to be in the same place, the same hotel in Nashville, New Hampshire, for the entire weekend. Lots of stuff going on, networking opportunities, socializing, uh, after-hours live baiting, uh, as well as uh, p- panel discussions and speakers and keynote speakers, uh, big big names like Glenn Jacobs from WWE. Uh, he's known as Kane over there. Uh, Richard Heller from the Heller versus DC gun decision. Mark Stevens from Adventures in Legal Land. Uh, I believe, I don't think Sam is, a, is an official speaker quite yet, but Sam from the Obscure Truth Network, uh, we expect you're going to be at the Liberty Forum this year, right? I will be there, certainly. Excellent. I know that they've, uh, they've sort of t- uh, tantalized me with a potential like media panel, and I, I know if I get to organize that, I want to put you on it, so I don't think you'd mind that, would you? Yeah, I know. That'd be great. All right, cool. So you are uh, from the Obscure Truth Network. Obscuretruth.com is your website, uh, always with a camera within reach, a video camera within reach. And uh, this afternoon, it came in handy. Uh, There was a code enforcer outside of your neighbor's house. You decided, because you're a good neighbor, uh, to come out and uh, help defend your neighbor's freedom. So you went out with the video camera and started taping the code enforcer. He called the cops. You ended up actually going inside your house as the cop arrived. Cop flipped on his lights real quick with a boop, boop. And uh, trying to sort of scare you into staying outside, you went right inside, cop came up to your front door, and you had a few things to say to him. Now, you don't have to answer the door when the cops come, and you didn't answer the door. You talked to this cop through the closed door, right? Correct. All right, so he comes up. What's the conversation? Well, basically, I I asked uh, the very first time, I asked, what do you want? And he told me, Plano Police. He didn't tell me what he wanted. He just told me who he was. Not an answer. Mm-hmm. Expecting and you to I open said, the door. Uh, <laughs> that's a question nice to that, that, that's that's the answer to the question. Who do you work for? Not the question to uh, the answer to the question. What do you want? <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, I, I didn't call the police, and I, I didn't really need them. So next time, I'd probably say, "Oh, no, thanks. I'll, if I need you, I'll give you guys a call," or you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, so he le- he leaves and walks back across the street <laughs> to go talk to the tree enforcer and befuddled. Take- their report down and so forth. So I take the time while they're doing that to get my second camera out, set it up on a tripod, and shoot footage of that, of them talking. And Nice. Uh, eventually, the, the cop comes back over to my door, and 
I see him coming up. I'm waving to him in the window <laughs> of the study as I'm filming him walk up my sidewalk. And uh, he rings the doorbell, and I go to the door and ask him, uh, how can I help you? And he's, he wants me to come outside. Did you open the door? or No, no. Actually, as soon as he rang the doorbell, this time I had the big camera set up in the study, and then I had my smaller handheld in the one you used. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a little quarter half window at the top of the door. I put the camera right up there and started <laughs> filming him through the top of the glass. Nice. So all he can see is this big HD camera in his face. Um, and he wants to know, he wants me to come outside and talk to him about this guy that I, I'm filming across the street. And I informed him that he was on private property and that I would like him to leave. And he asked, Are you, you're not going to come out and talk to us? I said, sir, you're, you're on private property. I need you to leave, please. And, he, you know, we went back and forth with this again and again and again. Um to where eventually he finally said, okay, I'll, meaning, okay, I'll leave, when I said, you know, you need to leave. And then he stays on my front porch, and I said, sir, you're still here. <laughs> Just in case you wondered. <laughs> in, space, in case space seconds, and time is, is, is slipping away for you. Another ten seconds goes by, and he's still standing there on my porch, and then he yells, you're not going to tell me your name? <laughs> so, are you refusing to leave? You're on private property. I've asked you to leave. Are you refusing? Be are, gone. You're not going to tell me your name? You're not going to talk to us? So, Who's us? I mean, yeah. it's just you standing you there. <laughs> right now. He's the state, Mark. He is, you're not, he... not going to tell me your name? <laughs> All right, so that's it. I'm calling the police. <laughs> you and said that. That's five awesome. five seconds goes by, and he says... I am the police. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and I told him, yes, I'm calling the police on you. <laughs> About three seconds went by, he swung around on his heels and left. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he realized, uh-oh, I'm going to be in trouble because criminal trespass, if you tell somebody to leave and they refuse to leave, and especially with him acknowledging it and saying okay like that, yeah, and then continuing to ask questions after I'm telling him to leave repeatedly again and again, and I have all this on camera. That's now wait a minute, Sam. I, I mean, explain. hold on a second. Criminal trespass. He's a cop. He's got sovereign immunity. How can you possibly touch him on this? He's he's still. I, I think this will apply. I, I need to research it more and find out. But I think when when police file complaints, they're filing complaints as citizens. Okay. Are they? Because it's yes. the, it says this the state of New Hampshire is coming after me for this, uh, you know, for this complaint about Freedom Fest, having a, a gathering without a permit. This is what I've learned from the interview with Randy uh, this weekend, Randy Kelton. Um, when the the way that they claim that the, uh, the prosecutor and the police, the the witness against you, are separate, is that when the police goes to file a complaint, he doesn't do it as a police officer. He does it as a uh, citizen in good standing in the state of Texas. Hmm. That means that you have to be over 18, no felonies, and uh, a couple other things I forget. So that includes that describes me as well. Okay. So I can put them through exactly the same process that they're hoping to put me through. Interesting. So, so are you telling me that I wouldn't be my, my civil rights would not be protected in uh, in Texas because I'm a felon? Well, you wouldn't be able to file a criminal complaint That's to crazy. the grand jury. Wow, is what that means. Mm-hmm. You okay. are a nobody, you have to Mark. Someone else to do it for you, Mark. 
Nuts. Exactly what was this tree enforcer harassing your neighbor about? His trees were growing out of control. Well, what, do you, what, what constitutes out of control? Um, I think they were a couple feet into the street, so he had <laughs> oh. to cut them up, uh, nine, up to nine feet high. So, so then you, trucks can get by. You did actually call the police, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I waited about 30 minutes or so, and he, he pulled away from my house, sat down at the street. They, the code enforcer drove down, and then they parked together and powwowed for a little bit. Sure. Like, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. He won't answer the door. I can't do anything. Because yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to figure this out. And eventually the code enforcer leaves. The cop eventually leaves. And I decide after a while, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. So <laughs> I picked up the phone, and I called the chief of police and got to his first secretary and then his second secretary, and he's not <laughs> available, of course. And so I'm like, all right, well, let me talk to Ed. That's the assistant police chief that I've filmed before. Okay. And he's out. And uh, so then I get, I guess, the watch commander or a sergeant. Uh, I'm not sure. Sergeant head bureaucrat. Yes, yeah. whoever. So I inform him that it really appears that um, the, the Plano Police Department is retaliating against me for the administrative complaint that I filed with your department a few months ago. I've got footage of 17 police cars driving outside my house immediately following the uh, the complaint, and that's that's not going to look too good. Uh, and now wow. I've got uh, your bureaucrats over here enforcing, uh, threatening me. Uh, they were illegally parked, both vehicles, the, the code enforcement vehicle and the police vehicle, and uh, your officer came over here and trespassed on my property. I'm going to need you to send somebody out to... Uh, Swear a, uh, to witness uh, a criminal complaint. I'll swear it in. And he's like, "Well, um, I need to, to talk to professional conduct about this." The, the, the administrative complaint office, basically. Right. He was trying better. to get you to fit. Now, the difference between an administrative complaint and a criminal complaint is, well, you can tell us in moments here. Hang on. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. They're trying to force Sam into going the administrative option, but he wants specifically to file a criminal complaint. What's the difference? And why? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. If you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and would like to help support Free Talk Live, then we could use your money. Well, you can give us money by shopping with us, actually, and buy things that you need over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So you're going to do the shopping anyway. You have to buy products to live life and uh, buy, buy gifts here in this upcoming ho- uh, this holiday season. So do your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, because when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. And it's great for us. It's great for you. You get what you need. We get a cut. And start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we uh, continue here, Sam is on the line from the Obscure Truth Network. Uh, Sam, you were out tonight uh, outside your uh, your house. There was a code enforcement bureaucrat across the street. You filmed him. Uh, he called the cops. You went inside your house, refused to open the door for the cops, told them to, it's private property, get out of here. Uh, after reluctantly, uh, He reluctantly did leave eventually. And then you, because you'd actually threatened to call the police on him. Yeah, uh, well, he said, he said, okay, and agreed to leave. And then he did not leave and continued asking questions. 
questions where that's where the right. problem comes in. So you actually then did call the cops, and the sergeant or whoever it was that was in charge at the time told you that, uh, well, he needed to get in touch with the uh, administrative complaint process or something like that, or put you into the administrative complaint process, and you said what? I said, let me make this perfectly clear to you. I will not be filing an administrative complaint with your police department. I will be filing three criminal complaints. Now, if you want to shield your officers from prosecution, that's your choice, but you can explain it to the grand jury. Hmm. And he said, yes, sir, I understand. Wow. (laughs) So where are the cops? Did they come out? So... um, About an hour later, and I imagine in this hour, they are on the phone going, oh, my gosh, what do we do? This this guy, what is he doing? You know, trying to figure out just what's going on and Mm -hmm. what happened and get this. I'm sure the chief got pulled in, and they probably called the officer and brought legal in and everything else. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, the Sam guy again. (laughs) Um, They show up about an hour later. Two sergeants, uh, or I guess three stripes, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, they come up to the door. I've got the cameras already on the front porch filming them, <laughs> and uh, I explain to them what happened. Wait, now, were you outside, bit. or were you still talking them through, them, uh, through no, the no, door? I was outside, because okay. I had called them right, to okay. come out. See, so there's a difference. Um, and I kind of explained what had occurred and so forth, and... Uh, At one point, I I said, well, you know, and what I noticed and what I have footage of is that the the code enforcement vehicle wasn't parked close enough to the curb. It was kind of out in the street. Some neighbors have told me they had to swerve to avoid it. And he had his emergency flashers on, and there was no emergency. Now, the the police that showed up and parked in front of my, my house here... He parked too close to the fire hydrant, and he didn't have his emergency lights on. So we're going to need to have to. I'm going to have to go ahead and file uh, criminal complaints so we can get those guys ticketed. Don't you agree? <laughs> what did they say to that? I got to give it, hand it to this guy, man. If I were him, I would want to just reach over and wring this guy's neck. Did, did he offer <laughs> you a job? But he looked at me with all sincerity and said, "Okay, sir." Wow. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is amazing. Um, They wanted to say that they were not going to forward this on to the prosecutor, that the investigator would take a look at it, and he would decide whether or not to forward it on to the prosecutor. Oh, great. I told him, uh, you know, I'm going to look at the grand jury notes, and if I don't see this uh, complaint in the minutes, I I I hope you guys do the right thing. I really do. So, so, how, so when you, what they do. How, long, how often does the grand jury meet down there? When will you be able to get access to their notes? I don't know yet. Well, actually, what I would want to do is probably uh, tomorrow I've, or sometime this week, I'll probably go down pull my case file and look through it on the, the tickets and so forth mm-hmm. and send them some open record requests for personnel files. You can ask for the police's personnel file and see all of their history. And, oh, neat. Yeah, all kinds I'll probably of have stuff, to pay apparently. for it, though. How damn interesting. <laughs> uh, no, you can ask to examine the originals. Oh, I see. Okay. So... Uh, and if they screw up there, then you can file criminal complaints against them. Hmm. So I'll be eventually taking criminal complaints probably against the prosecutor and then the judge. And all the whole idea is to kind of set them all up until I can uh, do take all the steps and exhaust all the avenues to where I can go directly to the grand jury. And they're going to hear this story about how, well, the police didn't take the complaint. The prosecutor threw my complaint in the trash. The judge told me to get lost. So my only redress is to come to you folks directly. Now, I'm 
sorry to be here. I know this is a little unusual, but I need you to hear these complaints, and they're going to sit up and listen. It's very interesting. I guess my only concern is that you're planning on being here to New Hampshire by the end of the year, and I, I, this sounds like I mean, government processes take forever. Yeah, and they might be listening. Oh, crap. Don't tell them that. Oh. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to drop it whenever I get tired of yeah. it, but... I want to have fun in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. at least you can explore it and see how it works out and see how they react. And, and you're documenting yeah, it, so this is all going to show up on your YouTube channel. Or a lot of it's going to show up on your YouTube channel, I would imagine. I think so. Okay, great. People can go to ObscureTruth.com to see that. Any other thoughts for us tonight, Sam? That's all. Thanks. for keep, And keep up the great work out there. I think a lot of people appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks, dude. 800-259-9231. He's going to bring that kind of stuff up here to New Hampshire, and I think that'll really kind of change things. A little uh, thought for the uh, Plano Police Department. Buy Sam's house. <laughs> Get him out of there. Buy it quickly. <laughs> yeah, my thoughts exactly. Let's continue with your calls. Uh, Mike is on the line in New York. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Ian. Hey. Can you hear me? Is this coming through okay? We got you, Mike. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to bust your chops a little bit about only spending three days in, in prison there. Only? Okay, go uh, ahead. Bust away. Well, you know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with your girlfriend. You have an obligation to her. But don't you think uh, Malcolm X, uh, Gandhi, these people who were incarcerated, Nelson Mandela, don't you think they had family too? I'm trying to think. Wasn't Malcolm X, uh, he was in for a violent charge prior to him becoming, like he didn't go to prison for being a black activist. He went to prison for being a criminal prior to No, him. I mean, he paid the ultimate price. He died. Yeah, but I mean, uh, but who, I'm just who knows saying, that it was the government? Know, uh, in the same vein, when Ian went to jail, I mean, I was thinking of him along that line. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the guy that's making a change. He's making a difference. And then, you know, when you had to go back to the judge and ask him to set you free, that, that must have been tough on you. Yeah, it was tough um, because, you know, I was in a situation where uh, we don't know – you don't know what it's going li- to be like until it actually happens. Uh, as far as when I say you, I mean if you are the loved one who's on the outside, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'll support my loved one and when they when they go to jail and in advance. And then when it actually happens and you're separated from them, then you actually get to feel what it's like. And it, and it certainly was not easy for her and I don't uh, – for my uh, for my lady, and I don't, uh, don't blame her for that one bit. Uh, you're right. It wasn't easy, but – is it better to have me in jail for 93 days or to have me in for three days and then to be out and back doing my radio show? I mean, I'm not really sure. I'm sure a lot of people would agree and disagree on what they think is uh, is the better choice. I feel like I made the right choice in that particular set of circumstances. And I, you know, I don't regret making that choice. And I wasn't trying to be uh, Gandhi or anything like that. And I don't think that I was the one that was making the difference. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't think I was the one. I think that it was the people that made the phone calls uh, that made the difference. I think it was the people that started the websites that made the difference. It was the people that uh, that called the radio shows that made the difference. I think right. I just I went to jail. I don't disagree with that. I, I would say that, in, um, and you you know that I will come after you if I feel that you're being uh, dichotomous in any way. Um, I, I enjoy that. It's it's kind of the reason I'm here. But <laughs> the, um, I, I do feel like the the injustice um, has already occurred. So now, whether you're in jail or not, people can still be active on it, and people can still do whatever it was that they were doing, um, you know, to stop it. I mean, they, they've, they've got a suspended right. sentence on you. That's wrong. You've got another court case coming up in the the future. That's wrong. So I did the non-cooperation that I had intended to do. I did not play uh, play along with the court's rules on Friday. I disobeyed. <laughs> on Friday. On Friday. I did, on I, Monday, however. I disobeyed, and I went, you know, I went to jail for it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I had intended 
intended to do. The rest of it was mitigating the damages. It was in order so I could get out sooner rather than later. And you know what? Everybody that wants to critique that, you know, that's fine. You can talk all you want. How about you come up here to New Hampshire and you go ahead and spend 90 days in jail and then you can be the bigger hero than me. How's that sound, Mike? And quite frankly, Mike, we need him here. You know, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of changes going on in the world right now, and, and it would be really tough to do this without Ian. Well, no, you're, you're absolutely correct, and I do believe that we need his voice on the air as opposed to behind jail, uh, behind bars. But, you know, sometimes when Mark is telling them that it's not as easy as he thinks it is to do these things, I think, uh, have you changed your mind about that at all? I don't think I ever suggested it was easy. Did no, I ever I'm suggest that, Mark, easy, that it was easy to do nothing? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to believe that it's easy. I agree that there has been a change oh, in your was... attitude regarding, uh, you know, the, the idea of uh, civil disobedience. I mean, that's I would not disagree. And to sort of gloss over it and say that somehow you have like everything's the same as it was before you went to jail. That's not a, that's not genuine. Thanks, Mike, for the call. I'm not sure. Uh, what do you mean? I said everything's the same before as before it was. It, what? Had you, I didn't say you said that. What? Yeah, you're acting like it. I mean, like what exactly? I'm sorry. Is everything the same for you? Do you believe everything the same way that you did before you went to jail on Thursday? Uh, not necessarily. I know that. I know now more how about Julia will feel. More on the way. Hour three's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up anything if you just dial a toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And Wayne. <laughs> you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy all those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We are still uh, receiving calls about the situation that uh, sort of resulted in me sitting in jail for an entire weekend. Of course, the couch in the yard situation is what I'm talking about up here in Keene, New Hampshire. My tenants uh, had a couch out in their yard. Somebody complained about it. The city bureaucrats came and threatened me. I tried to resolve things peacefully. They decided that uh, they wanted to put me in a jail cell over it. And that's what ended up happening. Of course, I ended up going ahead. I you know, completely non-cooperated on the trial date. I did not do what they wanted me to do, and I did not answer the questions they wanted me to answer. I attempted to ask questions of my own, was shut down, uh, was essentially railroaded into a jail cell. And yet some people, the uh, critics out there, uh, are still unsatisfied. Uh, they wanted me to go through with the entire 93-day sentence, and they're very up- some of them are very, very upset that I didn't do that for them or whatever. But one of the main reasons, the main reason why I didn't do that was because I was concerned about my family. And I'd like to point out that Julia is going to be on the show tomorrow night, so she will have the opportunity to speak for herself for the first time on this particular issue, because uh, I've been putting, you know, words in her mouth, essentially, uh, over the, throughout the entire week. And so it's only fair, you know, to, to, to have her address some of these complaints. So I've asked her to go through some of these critics and their posts, for instance, over at freekeen.com at, uh, you know, in the comments section and over on the Free Talk Live BBS, where the critics are particularly nasty, uh, and actually select some select critique and then we'll read some of that on the air here. That way she can actually respond to it. 
But, you know, even in the chat room, uh, some people are kind of being, uh, there's at least one person there being a little little bit nasty. I'm not sure if he's joking or not. But he says, I think I'd rather hang out in jail than have some girl using emotional manipulation to control me. And look, uh, you don't understand the situation. What happened was I hadn't actually spoken with Julia at all. And she hadn't given me given me any warnings or anything like that. Uh, you know, she didn't she didn't say you better get out as soon as you possibly can or else. She didn't do anything like that. Uh, but I did understand that this was not going to be an easy time for her. And I number one, I mean, not just from an emotional standpoint, but also from a work standpoint. She works fifty hours a week at the job that she works as a manager at a restaurant, and that's a lot of damn work. Uh, coming home, you're tired. The right. last thing you want to do is come home and spend another forty five minutes editing uh, the Free Talk Live archives and uploading them onto the internet, which is something that she would have had on herself to do. Essentially, she'd be the responsible right. one for doing that. If the podcast listeners would like to have a podcast, they have to understand that somebody has to put that podcast up and that that thing right. isn't, isn't easy or quick. Um, I don't know how to do it. I've uh, got a little bit of instruction from Julia there because I, fa- I saw how powerless I was when you went away. But I, I don't think any of us had the, um, the, the idea that you would be going Nobody away for did. 93 days. Yeah, Nobody I, I did. was shocked. I was, well, tell now, me something, though. What if it were 30 days? It would not be an easy 30 days. I mean, I'm sure that it would... Again, I can't speak for how Julia would feel about it, but either way, that's still a burden on her that I don't want to have placed on her if I don't have to have it placed on her. Yes, you know, Mark? it's it's not always easy to do activism. Uh, you know, you you don't get to do it in necessarily in the time or place that you want to do it. For instance, Rosa Parks is a great example. Who knows what what she was thinking beforehand? Did she say that I'm going to sit in the front of this bus and I'm not going to move? Well, how did she know the bus was going to be too full or whatever the instance was? She did it. She did what she did, and it went real well yeah. in that particular instance. And some's going to go well, and some isn't. So I'm not. I wouldn't be the one to critique you on something like that because. There is a business to run here in the sense that it's a it's it's a pro liberty right. business that is bringing lots of people to New Hampshire. There's 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 stuff to be done here. I don't think we're personally. I'm of the opinion that there would be several steps to uh, achieving liberty in in New Hampshire, and that would be first to get the message out, and and some people can do that through civil disobedience. But currently, the idea is to get people to move here. And I think and this then, helped with that. I, I think I, this helped get the message out, and I think it, it got plenty of coverage on right. blogs across now, the internet. But it, to, to to sort of take the other side on this, to some extent, I want to say that I'm not saying that anything is bad or wrong here, um, but I think that if it was, you know, excluding the radio show from this this instance, the more powerful thing to do from a, uh, you know, from a civil disobedience standpoint would have been to sit in the jail um, all 93 days. I agree with you. Okay, great. There's no doubt about that. Right. That, that's that, good. That, that you need to acknowledge these things because once you acknowledge it, the complaint disappears. Well, okay? wait a minute. Didn't you? Okay, maybe I didn't acknowledge it tonight, but I'm pretty sure I acknowledge it uh, over this past week, and I pointed I out work- that I think that it would have been even more interesting to see what would have happened in that case because if i just continued to sit in there and continue to be non-cooperative with uh with the judge then uh th- then it'd be very interesting to see what the activists would do as a result of that i mean we'd already seen the be the burgeoning of the activity the websites being launched the phone calls being made but it only lasted for three days what would that have culminated in if they'd had the entire 90 days to continue ramping up and doing other things and generating new ideas well, i usually usually you, when, you, when you have um disagreements with people and, and things like that what you're dealing with is expectations 
expectations. And I think that there are people out there that have the expectation that since you preach, uh, you know, civil disobedience, that you would then and you have well, practiced. I'm sorry. And, and, oh, wait, 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 wait. And you have practiced civil disobedience well up and up until this point that you would have taken it all the way all to the, way. the door. Right, and that's and what so I have a problem expect, with. It's an expectation. Well, they need issue. to correct their damn expectation problems because look, I am not well, trying to be Lauren Canario, and I'm not trying to be Russell Canning, two of the other people that have done civil disobedience and non-cooperation to a much more extreme degree than I have. Even if I had stayed in there all 93 days, Mark, let's say I had stayed in there all 93 days, then you know what? I would have gotten out, and the expectation would have been that, hey, what the hell? You went in there and you didn't go into solitary confinement. You aren't principal enough. I you don't didn't think that's true. BS, that's not, that's, uh, that's not true, Mark. There are absolutely people out there that would say, you know what? You preach non-cooperation and civil disobedience, and yet you bowed down and you gave them your name, and you uh, you know, you know did you actually walked with them when they wanted you to, to take you somewhere. You should have completely non-cooperated, gone limp, made them, you know, forced you to carry, uh, forced them to carry you everywhere, just like Lauren Canario does. Well, you know what? I didn't intend to be Lauren Canario. I do have things to do outside of civil disobedience. It's not my full-time gig to do this, and I don't advocate that people who do non-cooperation do it balls to the wall. I don't advocate that. I advocate baby steps. I advocate that people do a little bit here and there. Try saying no to some bureaucrats. Try saying no to that particular rule. See what happens. Test the waters. This was testing the waters. And I did do non-cooperation, and then I decided to mitigate the damage. So sue me. You know what? You guys can talk a lot of trash. You come out here. You spend the 93 days, and then we'll all praise you for being so ballsy. How's that sound? And I, I, I can't disagree with that either. Uh, Lauren Canario and Russell Canning and the people that do do the non-cooperation, I can't remember what the guy who's the outlaw manicurist, they get high praise on this show. They sure do, and those are people that actually go out looking for this kind of stuff. But they can afford to do it, Ian. And in the past, sure you've always st- stayed away from b- putting yourself in that position just for the reason that you wouldn't be able to do the show. That's and, true. And you missed the show for two nights because of that. And it was a, two nights is, is doable, but three months, 93 days is not doable for you. So, again, Julia is going to be on the program uh, tomorrow night, and those of you that have a problem, uh, you'll be able to actually hear what she has to say about things at that time. You know what? I want to address something else, too. Uh, There are a few of the statists who have uh, critiqued you and other liberty activists for being like teenagers who don't want to be told what to do, and I think they're missing the point here. Uh, Would you like to address that? No, you should address it, Wayne. I thought you wanted to address well, it. Well, I, maybe I, I want to hear your take on it, but when I hear that, I, I, they just don't get it. They don't understand that there's just too many laws in this country now. And we have to start, we have to look at that. We have to look at all the piles and piles and millions of laws we have mm-hmm. at, the, at the federal, state, and local levels. I'm sure how, they break some laws, oh, those I'm people. Sh- yeah, I'm sure they do. But I imagine that Ms. I bet you Michaela breaks law. She's got that kind of pot pothead uh, demeanor to her, right? She's a greenie. She snowboards. Her boyfriend snowboards. I mean, I was looking at the profiles, right? The the woman that complained about me. I'm sure she's broken her set of laws. It's just that she's she's pretty insulated. If she was to get picked up, her buddies in the city would probably have her turned out in an instant. That's right. And, and you know, the only way that that injustices or or bad laws are repealed eventually is 
through civil disobedience and people refusing to obey them. Well, it's the, not that people were being teenagers and we don't want to be told what to do. We're willing to be good citizens and listen to all the just laws. But right. It's a demand issue. And what Ian's doing is creating a, creating a demand for, well, uh, the courts to decide what, uh, you know, whether, you know, whether people have to stand or not, uh, for courts to decide whether people can ask questions at their trial, for, you know, all kinds of things. And I think that there needs to be a demand created. Now, I don't think that the couch was necessarily the greatest uh, opportunity. However, I do understand the statement that you do the civil disobedience that you're handed. More coming up. You take control. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and the features there include the bulletin board system, lots of discussion, all kinds of topics, serious issues, fun stuff. You find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. Again, that's bbs dot freetalklive dot com. Sakel CAI, they do uh, collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. They're the number one sponsor of Free Talk Live. They make it so that this show, it, it's possible that you can listen to this show and listen to it six nights a week. Support uh, SACL CAI any way you can. If you uh, own a business or you know somebody who does, recommend that they turn their accounts receivable over to SACL CAI. You can find out more by checking out their banner at freetalklive.com. It's on the right-hand side of the page. It's the top banner. SACL CAI. 1-800-259-9231. That's the number. You take control of the airwaves. Uh, otherwise, we go to the stuff that we've brought in to discuss tonight. And, Mark, you had something from way across a few ponds, at least, uh, to New Zealand, where apparently there's some libertarian action going on over there. What's happening? Well, um, this this article is, I guess it's, it's written by Ziggy. <laughs> he says, currently in New Zealand, there are two libertarian-leaning political parties. The first of these parties is libertarians. With, a Z with an at the NZ end. at the end. Right. Yeah. Libertarians, or right. Libertarian NZ, uh, whose politic- uh, general ethos seems to uh, derive from stereotypical hardcore libertarian philosophy by taking absolutist positions on in- individual sovereignty, the non-aggressive axiom, and property rights. I've also heard that uh, some suggest that they worship the insanity of Ayn Rand. The second of these parties is ACT, whose ethos is far more uh, of the moderate classical liberal mentality. Smaller government, adherence to to civil liberties, emphasis on individual choice and the importance of free markets. ACT had originally been a campaigning think tank, Association of Consumers and Taxpayers, which drew support from both left and right of the spectrum. Libertarian NZ currently has no representatives in New New Zealand's national parliament, where it's a different story with ACT. When everybody was preoccupied with the U.S. elections, an election where the Libertarian Party performed dismally. Down in New Zealand, there was a general election occurring, an election where ACT more than doubled its number of seats in New Zealand's national parliament. Sure, the center-right's national party won a clear majority. However, in a multi-party parliament system, votes can sometimes be close, and when they are, the smaller parties can have some sway. So um, so worthy libertarian-leaning folks keep an eye on whether ACT managed to get the current government to adopt more libertarian-type stances. And I'd agree that it doesn't, you know, it, it, just a few, pe- few people in there is a good thing. Certainly, I'm, the more the better. 
Of course, your hardcore, hardcore anarcho-libertarian will nitpick and say that the likes of ACT aren't principled enough. However, ACT have uh, far, more, far more say in government than they ever have, have or will. I guess that's the principled folks. It's pretty fair conclusion that moderate libertarianism, classical liberalism, can score some success and is more likely to succeed. Of course, there's no telling any hardcore libertarian th- that, and plus some might say that what happens in New Zealand is unlikely to have any influence upon global political trends due to Australia and New Zealand's somewhat geographic isolation. Well, it- I wonder what somebody who's actually in New Zealand would have to say about this. Somebody who is a little more familiar, perhaps, with... Uh, What's going on? I mean, Ziggy, he's probably paying as close attention as possible, but the reality is he lives in the U.K. Yeah, he's a world, half a world away. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what this act is all about. I mean, I have heard of the Libertarian NZ, the libertarian NZ group mm-hmm. uh, before. I've never heard of ACT. I don't know, you know, what's going on over there. We haven't really, we don't really have New Zealand callers. We do get some occasional Australian callers and, and emailers. Uh, so, really don't know what's going on in New Zealand. I don't know. I mean, maybe ACT is kind of small government on some issues. Maybe they're big government elsewhere. So, I don't know what he means. Means when he says they're moderate if it's an association of taxpayers, it generally means you know smaller, lower taxes. Is that what it is? That oh, okay, that's what it stands for: association uh, of taxpayers. Yeah, consumers and taxpayers. Gotcha. Uh, or association of consumers and taxpayers, or something. That's okay. what it stands for. Well, I, I see what he's coming from. I mean, he's saying that those positions have been more successful, and if that's true, then that's great. I mean, if what he says is accurate, then fantastic. I mean, you do what you need to do to make government uh, make government smaller. However, here in the United States, we have this group of people calling themselves the Republicans, and they usually talk a good game. I mean, a lot of them do, not all of them, but Until some they get of them into are, office. Right, yeah. some of them are big-time warmongers, but many of them talk a good game about smaller government and reducing uh, government involvement in people's lives and reducing taxes, and they never actually end up doing anything about it. So I No, mean, they grow it. I mean, yeah. every, we had the Republicans in power completely from 2000 to 2006, right. and or was it 2001 to 2007? Anyway, uh, we had them. They were completely in power at that point, and they just grew the size of government. They did it more so than the, the than the government grew under Clinton, which wasn't entirely under uh, you know Dem- Democrats. And I shudder to think what's going on here, especially if we lose two more Republican senators in the uh, the U.S. House or uh, U.S. Senate. I think it's going to be really crazy stuff. But we don't have a parliamentary uh, legislature That's the same too. way. Uh, third parties in the United. States are they're obscured, sidelined, uh, ridiculed. You know, um, Michael Medved calls the Libertarian Party as the Loserarians, and then says something about Harry Brown That's every t- Harry Clown. Hurk, hurk, He's still talking about time, Harry Brown every chance he gets. It's a good. It's a. It's a funny joke. He's dead. Right. He's been dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Medved's a loser. But he is. But it, you know, so there's uh, third parties here don't have the sway that they do in England, maybe mm-hmm. Australia. I don't know. Australia is a cesspool of socialism, and the Australians tune into this show to to get a little bit of sanity now yeah. and then. And uh, thank God for them. Uh, New Zealand, I, it's my understanding that they don't even have a constitution that their party, their their government can be turned on a dime uh, yeah. if the voters get them in and uh, you know get in a new group. And, and that I'll, could be a good thing. I mean, if you could get a bunch of liberty-minded people. Honestly, in there. you could do that in the United States too, because our constitution. Although we have one written on paper, it doesn't. They don't. They don't follow it. So if you wanted to do away with the post office, I don't think that the you know anyone would call it unconstitutional. Plus, the evidence proves that moderate, uh, you know, so-called moderate libertarianism, which is my, in my opinion, a uh, complete, uh, 
contradictory statement. Uh, the the idea that that's somehow more popular or more likely to get people elected is absolutely absurd. We saw the evidence, at least here in the United States, it's absurd. I don't know the details about New Zealand, but it's absurd here well, because look at what happened with Bob Barr. As we analyzed after the you know the day after the election, his vote totals were not even close see, to the number one libertarian uh, presidential candidate's right. vote totals of all time. That he, I, that's the point that I was trying to make with the parliamentary uh, the statement. Yeah. The fact is, in New Zealand, if you vote in a principled fashion, or England for that matter, if you vote in a principled fashion, your party may vary. You know, it's it's basically they take the amount of votes and then they give that uh, total uh, for each party. Then they give that party the amount of uh, that amount of seats as, as far as the percentage. So if yes. libertarians got ten percent of the vote, they get something. They'd yeah. get ten percent of the seats, and that would that would change everything here in the United States. However, now in the United States, you basically get two choices. Right. And because of that, people have this zero-sum situation where they say, well, Ron Paul can't win, so I'm going to vote for Giuliani in the primary because I think he'll be better for whoever uh, the, the Democrats put up. Like, they have this whole strategy thing that is designed around our system. Our system, it, to me, in that in that sense, is flawed. And the so the libertarians uh, thought that they could get more votes by watering down their message, and it turns out that they didn't. That Harry Brown's campaign from 1996 uh, very nearly eclipsed the Bob Barr cam- campaign totals. And in percentage, it was greater still. It, this is true. And also, Harry Brown didn't have the Internet to help spread his uh, his message back then. He didn't have the Internet to help him fundraise back in 1996. And, and Bob Barr didn't even come close to what Ed Clark got back in 1980. So, in votes. Yeah, the moderate message doesn't do squat for liberty here in America. More on the way. It just confuses people about what a libertarian is. Now they think it's a, you know, a small government conservative, which is not what a libertarian is. More on the way. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, totally free, including the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Go get interactive and edit virtually anything you see there. That's the point of the wiki. Uh, WIKI.freetalklive.com is how you get to it. Wiki.freetalklive.com. Calm. You know, I mentioned the uh, the Ave Maria town is apparently having their grand opening, and it's been a while since we've talked about this, but it's in the news again and worth talking about, especially since. Now, you actually grew up a Catholic, uh, Wayne, right? Uh, I think so. So this, I don't remember. this maybe will hit home for you a little bit here. Uh, we'll get to the story in a moment, but just just to let you know, last night we talked about the idea of private uh, restrictions on private property. And the idea of getting people together to 100% agree to abide by certain strictures and a certain set of rules. And we know that that already exists in the form of deed restrictions. And there are some planned communities with some stores in them, and those certainly do exist. But what you have in the case of Ave Maria is, I think, a community that takes it a little bit further. You've got an actual religiously themed oriented town. Entire, the entire town is based in, I believe, the Catholic religion. It was founded by the guy who created uh, Domino's, Domino's Pizza. Pizza yeah. Let me get into the story here. Good Morning America featuring this uh, at abcnews.com. The Florida town of Ave Maria is like many other large family neighborhoods. The town will have 11,000 homes in its community. That's pretty big. 
I, I think that's, you know, that might be the size of like Keene, maybe a little uh, where we live here in New Hampshire. I mean, I don't know how many houses there are here, but I know there are about 23,000 people, so 11,000 ha- homes, two is, people per house, is, maybe a few kids. Isn't that down Route 75 between Sarasota and Naples? I believe it is. I Maybe in the middle of the state a little bit more. Uh, anyway, unlike so many other communities, Ave Maria has a specific purpose. The quaint location isn't built for golf- golfers or retirees like so many other Florida developments. Ave Maria is a refuge of sorts for Christian values in a secular age. It opens its gates to the public for the first time this Saturday. And it's the brainchild of Domino's Pizza founder Tom Monahan, who built the town as part of his lifelong dream. The staunch Catholic envisioned a community that would draw residents who shared his Catholic values. He said, I put basically everything I had into it, not only my money, but the rest of my life. The town is centered in an 1,100-seat Romulan Catholic, or Roman, rather. Romulan. <laughs> Romulan. <laughs> Excellent. That's a darn uh, Star Trek promo you were playing the other day. Anyway, Roman Catholic Church and a traditional Catholic university. No adult bookstores or strip clubs adorn the town, and local businesses are urged not to sell contraceptives or birth control. Mm. But some civil libertarians are raising objections to this modern-day city of God. I don't see how you could possibly be a libertarian and object to this, which, again, just shows that the people in the news media do not understand what the term libertarian actually means. Well, they said civil libertarian, and that, that's essentially somebody who believes in civil liberties. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure that there's somebody out there who has some kind of concern, and I have a concern, but my concern basically is going to keep me away. American Civil Liberties Union spokesperson said, It's too early to tell from the facts whether there's a constitutional violation, but we're mindful and alert. The founders insist the town is open for anyone else or for anyone to reside in. Monahan has said his goal is to help as many people as possible get to heaven, and he hopes these homeowners will have a head start. So they don't really get into too much detail about how the community is actually going to be run, but it's my understanding that you have to sign an agreement to, to live in Ave Maria. That you have to, at some level, agree to, you know, maybe property standards and things like that, but also standards of behavior may also be involved here. You may have to agree to abide by certain rules. And it could it could be rules for your kids to follow, for you to follow as, uh, as residents of the town, for business owners to follow, as they were saying here. Uh, it's, it's saying that businesses will be encouraged to not sell contraceptives. As I recall earlier when we were talking about it, that was just simply going to be a no-no. That was just going to be off-limits. So if, if Walgreens wanted to come in there and open a store, sure, you can open a store as long as you don't sell contraceptives there. And so that would be part of the agreement. he owns the entire town. Likely he could just, you know, oh, I see you did sell some contraceptives here. Looks like I'm not going to be able to renew your lease. So, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the guy can do what he wants. I, You know, I lived in a plant community like this at one time. And before, when I was interested in buying the house, they actually handed me the bylaws book to read because I had to agree to them before I could even buy the house. Mm Mm-hmm. So at least I knew what I was dealing with in the case of moving into a city like Keene and you buy a house, you don't really have real access to a lot of those those rules. No, you don't have access to them. You could go and pour through their rules if you wanted to. However, the, you know, the difference there is that those were created and forced upon people. Those were created without the consent of the people that uh, that are forced to abide by them. Whereas the people that are moving into Ave Maria or into a privately owned community like that, 
into a deed restricted area are going to completely be understanding that th- they consented to those rules, they agreed to them in advance. And there's usually a process with which to change those rules. There's usually some sort of monthly meeting or quarterly meeting or something like that, or maybe annual. I don't know how often they happen. I guess it depends on your neighborhood. But they, there is a process. There's usually a president of the neighborhood association, and that's where, of course, all the neighborhood Nazis end up going towards. See, I wonder but, if they're going to have how many convents they're going to have there. At the Nur- Ave Maria? Because nuns do not like me. Yeah, I don't think – you probably aren't going to be moving down there because you're uh, settled up here in New Hampshire where we have a whole lot more freedom than they do down in Florida. And they are saying apparently that this is going to be open to every religion, ethnicity, and age. This is according to their own website. Uh, so apparently it's not going to be as restrictive as it maybe could be uh, as far as letting people in. And maybe that's because they're afraid of a lawsuit from people like the ACLU. But as far as I'm concerned, if it is your private property, you should be able to set whatever darn rules you want to. If you don't want to allow people in because uh, you don't like the way they look, you don't like the color of their hair or some other absurdity, then you should be able to make those decisions. And you'll suffer whatever market consequences come as a result of you making those choices. So I think the ACLU and any other organization that has a problem with Ave Maria should just shut the F up and go create ACLU land where anybody can do anything. (laughs) And there's plenty of those around anyway. Well, the problem with ACLU land that uh, Ave Maria likely will not face is that – and maybe they will. Maybe there'll be some lawsuit that's brought against them like uh, Denny's and not serving uh, uh, African Americans or whatever. But – uh, you know, so I'm, I'm retracting. Maybe Ave Maria will have problems. I hope that they do not. But ACLU land is going to have a lot of problems because the government's going to be right in there with a substation, <laughs> you know, right in the middle of it. Now, if you're in Ave Maria, one of the things you can absolutely do is you could create your own sort of private uh, identification service. You could pr- create a, a little private plate for, for people's cars if you wanted to, or a sticker or something like that, so people would know that you're a community member and you wouldn't get a parking ticket or something like that if you were parking in certain areas, as opposed to maybe a guest that might have their, uh, that's parking in the wrong place, have their car towed. Um, but when it comes to state governments, uh, they're not allowed to mix religion with the state, or at least that's what I thought. And we'll get to a story here in a little bit about Indiana, and what they've decided to do with some of their license plates, which I think some people that are in favor of separation of church and state are going to have a real problem with. But first, we go to Ziggy across the pond in the U.K. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Ziggy, U.K., going once. Ziggy, in the U.K., going twice. Hello. Hey, there he is. There he is. Go ahead, sir. Right. Um, prophecy rights. Can I, first of all, I want to give you some feedback about what people have said about you and the couch over here. Yes, sir. Well, a lot of people <laughs> said to me, how dare you waste the court's time, even though I pointed <laughs> out it was the court wasting your time. Right. They were the ones that forced me to be there. Some people had suggested that I should have just not shown up and that then they'd only, like, slap me with a summons or something like that. But I'm, th- I'm sorry. I think it was a criminal charge. Up, they would have got right, a They'd fail you to appear. They would and fail you to appear me, and they'd show oh, up and... Well, the, the couch, it's a health hazard. Right. That's what that's what people say. I you know I don't understand how it's going to be a health hazard if, I mean for one people have compost piles. I've got a compost yeah. pile out at my house. Is that a health hazard? No, no, because it returns to the soil. So's the couch. That's what it was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sunk into the uh, yard actually. In a case over here, which might interest Ian, um, a guy uh, built a two-story house in his barn, and he's been told to demolish it. Because it um, violates uh, planning uh, oh, policy. So awful. Area. And they'll come in there with a damn bulldozer if he doesn't yeah, do it. They're, 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 he's, he's, he's been ordered by a court to demolish it. Well, you, you know, the, basically he was told he couldn't build it, so he built it within the barn. 
Mm. Um, wow. Well, Gavin, Gavin actually lives quite near where, where this, this has happened, and he said basically it's because it's in a national park. Now, Gavin's the Ron Paul of... of they want to keep everything historical and nice and beautiful. And well, I want to find out what the rest of the story is. Hang on, Zig, we're going to bring you back. Hang on, dude. 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up what you want is 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like this program and you'd like to help support Free Talk Live, learn how to promote the show. Just head over to promote.freetalklive.com. You'll see an entire list of various different things you can do. Uh, things online, things offline, flyers, uh, graphics that you can use to create your own flyers or whatever you want to do with them. Um, they're up there for you to utilize to help get the message of this program out to as many ears as possible. So if that's something that you think you'd be interested in, please head over to promote.freetalklive.com and see what interests you. Again, promote.freetalklive.com. Bringing Ziggy back here. Uh, Ziggy in the UK. You're telling us that over there, there's a, some guy who has been threatened by the code enforcers or the zoning bureaucrats because he built what was it a two-room apartment inside his barn was that what it was a two-story house two-story house inside a barn and uh, apparently the government bureaucrats didn't appreciate that too much so now they've threatened him with uh he needs to go ahead all right you've built the house now you need to knock it down and what's the rest of the story there well basically the court has ordered him to uh get it demolished this is not the first time this is, this has happened. There was a story uh, near uh, down down in the southwest a few years ago of, of, of a, uh, a farmer who built a house on his property, and they said that in that area they only have one story properties. So what uh, what he did was he knocked the top story down and hid the bottom story under a mound, hmm. and then revealed that he had to knock the full house down because the council said he had to knock the full house down. And he went to prison. Wow. Um, prison? Wow. I know. Of course, uh, that's what it always ends up in. He was, he was released on appeal. Yeah, and but you know what? I, I had a feeling I that... Say, going back to you, Ian, I mean, I have to admit, there have been times when I thought that you are, have been a bit of a an idiot, but I have to say, <laughs> what, really? what Thanks, you did actually, you know, I, I inspired me. Because I felt, you know, someone needs to stick up for property rights. Um, basically, because especially in this country, there is very little, there is decreasing respect for property rights. I mean, it begins um, very early on. People will come around your house and they'll say, oh, don't play that crap on your stereo. And you'll say to them, well, it's my stereo. If you don't like it, there's a the door. And, but, you know, they'll think, they think you're a kook for doing, saying that. Yeah, it's just really the whole property rights issue really is important to me because I think that individual liberty is it's critical to have private property and to be able to do what you want with it. Otherwise, you just don't own yourself and you don't own the things that you think that you own. And it's clear that the government people do not actually believe. While on one side, I, I, I'm actually interested whether next time someone gets done for um, uh, any free st- uh, project member gets done for uh, drug offences, whether they can go into court and say. Well, um, if I uh, do, do, do I own my own body? Because if I do, don't I have the freedom to digest what I want into my body? It's all and good if questions. The government's telling me not to do these drugs. Does the government lay claim to my body? 
And you know, I think that uh, had somebody asked the question earlier, well, Ian, if you didn't have a uh, if you didn't have a girlfriend and you weren't concerned about that sort of aspect of of getting out early to to help out with your family and you were just sort of all alone, would you have stuck it out? And I said I probably would have because I think that the appeals process would have been very successful in my case. I think that if I'd gone through the appeals process, uh, it absolutely would have been a success. I mean, the, the judge is clearly out of control in his courtroom. I'm not going to say – you're, you're making it like a blanket statement. I think that he was out of control at that moment. Go ahead, Ziggy. Yeah, and that's enough to appeal and uh, get that crap turned over. Uh, Zig, any other thoughts tonight? Um, yeah, just one other quick <laughs> story. Um, from from the, In my area, basically, the uh, uh, conservative council have said that burger vans have to provide a salad option. <laughs> Isn't now, it silly? Yeah, the conservative <laughs> party, the party of small government, I'd add. Oh, really? Of course. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, Sig, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. They're going to tell you what you can sell in your snack mobile. Your, your business. Roach, your roach coach. Um, you have to... You, you thought it was yours. Yeah, you can't just sell chips and candy bars and right. uh, ham, you know microwave hamburgers Stuff and that kind of thing. Want. You have to you have to provide a salad option. Look, if if salad options were viable economically, uh, there would be salad trucks going around, yeah, and sure. giving all the construction workers with their beer guts and their Get hard your fresh hats, salad over here. They'd, they'd have salads, and you know there would be uh, they'd have the blue cheese choices yeah, sure, and everything. Sure. They'd have everything you want. But the fact is. Most people want burgers, and you know if you want to provide. Hey guys, it's a salad truck. Come on! If you if you want to provide tofu hot dogs to the one <laughs> uh, construction worker in the whole damn city that wants that thing, yeah. you can do that. It's just that you'll go broke doing it. Sure. The, the the space, the inventory space that these trucks have available to them is limited. They can only carry yep. so many hot dogs, hamburgers, Italian sausages, uh, microwave pizzas, and. Uh, right. Right. Sodas, because you can believe it, after this it's it's the salads. Next it'll be juices. You right. must provide whole juices, not cocktail. You can't you can't have the the sweetened juices. <laughs> it has to be organic juice or whatever. It's nuts. I mean, and I agree with you there, Mark. Their their space is limited, and when you're dealing with salads, you're dealing with making salads. You've got a situation where the stuff's going to go bad right quick. I mean, if you've got hamburger patties in a freezer, those are going to keep for a while. But salad, I mean, the lettuce that's going to last you, you can what, have a, a day or two. You can have a microwave uh, cheeseburger in, um, I don't know how long a salad would last. I think you could go a couple, I mean, maybe three or four days maybe on the salad. But the, um, whereas when you're talking the microwave cheeseburger, three or four weeks if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, roach coaches aren't known for the freshness and <laughs> deliciousness of their, their, uh, their fare, at least not the ones that I've experienced. I'm sure there's ones out there that are doing quite well that are offering really yeah. good stuff to people, but... You know, I mean, you're talking about an incredible amount of spoilage, and that means food costs go dramatically through the roof. So, yep. again, it's just more evidence that you don't actually own what you think you do. That these bureaucrats that are willing to throw you in a jail cell actually own it because, well, nobody really wants to go to jail. And so they're not willing to stand up and say, no, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. What are you going to do about it? And why should they? Because nobody's going to back them up. There's no activists out there to help them out of jail. So you've got to bow down. You've got to get along to, you know, go along to get along. Let's continue with your calls. Sean in Arizona. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian. I just want to say congratulations on your investments. That was absolutely amazing. I was uh, very proud of you. And, uh, oh, thank you, Sean. That, uh, that really lit a fire under my butt, let me tell you. Good. Um, I wanted I'd to call you guys and just... T- 
talk a little bit about uh, the power of government indoctrination. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, being from Canada originally, uh, you know, I, I always believed that we had the greatest health care system in the world. And, uh, you know, that was pounded into my head uh, in the educational system and in the media and, of course, my parents, who were already indoctrinated. Now, sure. when... I came out of high school at 18 years of age. I came out of high school a hardcore left-wing socialist. I didn't consider myself a socialist. I thought I was a, you know, I believed in freedom and liberty, but I was truly a socialist. And it was when I started debating the issues and seeing another side of the coin that I was never taught in school and another side of the coin that the media never presented to me in the first 18 years of my life uh, that I started to uh, break free from those chains of indoctrination and it took you know that that started about 18 years of age when mm -hmm. i started debating issues and started studying the issues and i found out about ayn rand and read her material and uh it took another three years to actually uh completely break free from those indoctrination chains and and you know continue to learn more about freedom and liberty the issue i had was my father who i love dearly has had 67 years of government indoctrination. And it just seems like no matter how much fact and logic I present to my father, he will uh, skew the issues, he will convolute the issues to try and beat around the bush. And i got to tell you, that is incredibly frustrating. Absolutely. When you can see that a loved one, somebody you care about, uh, just isn't getting it, it's not clicking for them, they're actively fighting uh, the ideas of liberty, it's so frustrating, and I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, it happened with my mother, and it's just, you just have to move on. I mean, I know that sounds, for me, it sounds cold, man, it, it does, but, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have to, it doesn't mean you don't have to love the guy and appreciate him for what he did do for you. I mean, certainly that's all something that people should should do uh, if they were good parents if they beat you or something like that then you certainly should appreciate them uh, but you know if he was a good parent and he did good with you generally you should appreciate him for that but uh, man when people your loved ones your friends aren't getting it it's just time to move on to uh, to better prospects that just understand it it better it's sad but we just have to move on and, and let it go I think and then it, and then maybe maybe they'll be a little more curious and, and wonder well you know looks like things are working out for you this whole liberty thing seems to be doing something you're they're no Noticing some changes, maybe they'll sort of get more inquisitive about what's going on in your life, or maybe not. My mom certainly doesn't give a flip. Uh, hey, Sean, thanks for the call tonight. Certainly appreciate Thank hearing you. from you as always. It has been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you know what? If she doesn't care, that's her business. She's enjoying her life. She's doing what makes her happy. More yes, power to her. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.